0: We can... we the battle. <laughs> 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 RC Alienation version 2.0. And Dan. this is episode 128. You guys are all here, say hi guys. What's up?
1: What's going on? How's it going, guys? Hey,
0: Justin and Jesse. What's going on, guys? Anything cool happen this week?
2: Mm. Oh, loads mm. of cool stuff.
0: Loads of cool stuff. All right, who wants to go first then?
2: Give it to the Shload guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. You want to hear all my schlodes of cool stuff? Yeah, lay,
0: lay it out for us, man.
1: I do. All right, I'm going to unload the schlode on you.
0: <laughs> this uh, this was.
1: <laughs> all right, does that next? make you uncomfortable? <laughs> I'm I'm okay with it. Do I need I mean, a rain suit? Very uncomfortable. I'm a... secure. You may need to clean up afterwards. But <laughs>
0: I've got some sanitary napkins here. I'll be all right. Let's
1: see how this goes. Big week. Super big week for Justin. First off. I'm going to pass the no-fly card to one of you bastards because I'm quite certain that someone hasn't flown this week. I did. I got flying in all week long during lunch and during or after work. So as is typically the case around here in Seattle, the weather is amazing when I can't get to the field, and that's during the week. And then when I have my Friday off, and a weekend, the weather's crappy. But luckily, things were slow enough at work this week to be able to get out and do some lunchtime stuff. And the speed has been maidened. Nice. Nice. Oh, man. I, I'll i tell you what. No words. Is it Fisting? speeding? Is it's, <laughs> it's fast, dude. It's fast, even when it's slow, Nick. <laughs> it's I fast mean, just sitting there. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> So I, I, I got about, let's see here, I think I got about a half dozen flights on it so far. First flight or two, you know, even in the manual, uh, SAB recommends that you break it in at low RPM. They say less than 1900. Uh, just to get everything sort of bedded in, it's got the big steel main gear and steel pinion, so it's metal on metal. Uh, and that that requires a little bit of lubrication and breaking in. So you know first couple of flights I ran it in at about 1800, 1900 somewhere in that range. and then after that I kicked it up to the max for this pinion. It's a 22 tooth pinion. So on the castle edge 160, I was able to get up to 2100 uh, before the set rpm mode said minimal headroom remaining. And wow. just wow how much pitch uh 12 degrees of pitch right now i figured i'd go with my baseline that's what i run on all my 3d helis so i wanted to you know get an apples to apples comparison there the uh first off at low head speed the thing's super super quiet i feel like it's almost quieter than my regular goblins and i think that has something to do with the swept tips on the speed blades Mm -hmm. um But when you turn the thing up to idle up three at 2100, it freaking screams. The (laughs) sound is absolutely amazing, Um, especially during the speed runs. So first several speed runs, I was able to get full open throttle. And I'm showing in the data log consistent peaks at 145 amps. And that's sustained for the five to 10 second pass. So it's putting me up at about 5,800 watts. And I'm getting about 100 RPM droop in Governor. So from 2,100 to 2,000. Uh, and that's about a three minute flight with about half a dozen or so speed runs. And that puts 65 to 70% back into my 12S stick packs, which are 4,400s. But uh, bringing it back down after the flight, uh, things are toasty. Uh, The motor now toasty is a relative thing. You got to remember, I don't I don't do hardcore smack. And so most of the time, my heli components don't get all that warm in my mild, smooth 3D and big air stuff. Mm -hmm. But the motor came down at around 130 F54C. For those of you Celsius guys, ESC's clocking in at about 145 or 63 C, which in the grand scheme of things really is still not all that bad. But I think I'm going to need to look into canopy vents. Uh, You know, the, the SAB manual suggests getting or cutting a hole in there. I'm not sure I want to cut a hole. I I'm actually going to look into, I don't know if you guys uh, have heard of this before, but the NACA ducts or NACA inlets Uh, They're an aerodynamically optimized inlet. You see them all over, you know, race cars and stuff like that. And it's meant to minimize drag that's induced by this hole in the otherwise slippery canopy. So I I think once I get some airflow in there, it'll cool down pretty significantly because it's it's pretty airtight. There's no hole underneath the the nose of the canopy. It's all sealed up. So no air gets in there and you can feel it too you pull the canopy off after a 3 minute flight at full throttle and the f- whole front of the canopy is nice and warm nice so huh. yeah i i'm Don't super excited it. no i'm not going to cook it <laughs> i i'm i'm comfortable i've i've got i got some margin there now like i said that's on the 22 tooth pinion and i've got a 23 and a 24 still so we'll see what what she can actually handle but As you guys know, the Castle has current limiting features. And if you put it at insensitive, which is what they recommend for helis, that's 280 amps before it actually shuts down. So I'm going to keep looking at the data log and we're going to creep up on this, both in head speed and pitch, as well as on the pinion and see what we can get before things start getting really nasty. So... Connectors have been finalized, too. We talked the last couple of weeks about these RC Pro Plus Supras. I had mm-hmm. already decided on them last week, but I wasn't sure exactly how I wanted to do the series lines on the stick packs. So what I'm doing is the Supras are now going on the main power lines, the ESC lines that connect into your, your power system. And I'm running PRC sixes on the series connections between the two packs. And the nice thing about this is you cannot screw it up. It is absolutely foolproof. You have one set of connector types for the front pack and one for the back pack. And it's absolutely foolproof because it requires two different charge lead sets so, the, you know, if you've got a dual channel charger, channel one has its own charge lead set that's unique and channel two has its its own that's also unique. You can't plug things in the wrong way to blow your hands up because they're completely different connectors uh, and you can't blow up your charger because there's no way to plug the two ESC main lines into the charger with the series line already connected. So I'm super pleased with this. Like, I'm psyched. Hmm. I've converted everything over. All of my other electrics have been converted. So they're all now going to run this. And I think, uh, you know, I posted a couple of things on Facebook, got some good response from it. I think I might throw a tech tip together on this so that people can follow along. Uh, it's really simple. And you don't need to use these connectors. The point of the foolproof side of it is having two different types of connectors. It sounds
2: complicated, mm. not complicated, but
1: I I get that, and I uh, that's fair, Nick. It I think it it sounds complicated, but when you look at it and you realize what you have to do, it's no big deal.
3: And the uh, the foolproof is still assuming that everything is soldered on correctly.
1: Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> if if you can well, get Well that, that could the be sodden. a hurdle.
3: <laughs> no, you're right.
1: You're right. That's a good point, Jesse. If you can I get mean, past if you don't the soldering solder it and on not right. kill yourself. Then uh, then I think you're good to go.
3: Yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: So let's see here. Got some new toys again this week. This is week two of Helly Christmas. Uh, my Pulse 5000 45C 12S stick pack came in. Holy crap. This thing is clean as hell. I'm not sure why I ever went away from stick packs, but I have reseen the light.
2: They are uh, oh. in that dude. in that style of heli or in uh, a style of heli that can take stick packs. Yep. They yep. are the best.
1: Yep. I, I'm with you, dude. I, I'm like super psyched about it because, you know, I've got the goblins and I've got the Compass 7 HV. Both of them run trade stick packs. So I feel like I'm good to go. Um, This thing, the the Pulse 5000, it's, it's rated as a 45C. Of course, with my new nerd toy, the ESR meter, <laughs> uh, I that was the first <laughs> thing I did was stick it on there to see what it got. Um, before I cycled it, I was getting about 1.7 milliohms per cell, which comes out right around 26, 27 C. After the first few cycles of just slowly breaking it in, I'm down to around 1.5 milliohms. So it's going to put it around 28 or 29 C. So that's consistent with our expectations. Nothing much above 30 C is actually realistic. Uh, it's quoted as a 45 C pack, but we got, we all heard from Dave, <laughs> David last week about what. That yeah. Means.
0: Blame Dan <laughs> for
1: that.
2: Huh? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> mm. I can't help
0: it. I can't help it. I've been calling him Dave for a hundred years, man. Well, it's apparently go Justin away.
2: can't either. So
0: yeah, I saw. I, I do remember that. I was gonna edit that out and make it right, but I decided to let Justin look like a fool too.
2: Did I?
1: <sighs> did I call him Dave?
0: A couple yes. times. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah, I work with like six Daves, and they all go by Dave. So sorry, David. Last little bit here. Stopped by Progressive RC today, hung out with Robin, who is the general manager just for a bit uh towards the end of the day because I wanted to pick up some stuff. Uh I went in to pick up some connectors and wires. I left with some connectors, some wires, a spider five thousand three hundred twelve 12s stick pack, and <laughs> a dual power lab 8.
2: Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh,
1: Man. Oh yeah. Sorry dude. I you know, you guys haven't heard the review yet, but I have because Nick and I talk on the phone <laughs> on a regular basis and this thing is the shit. So, I couldn't wait. I was just like, screw it. This is my charger. This is the charger for me, hands down, no question about it. So, that is going to get incorporated into my charge setup this weekend. You know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with the Hyperion, because that's what I've been using. Donate it I, to I a I museum? I might just yeah, I no do kidding. that. I could do that. <laughs> it, or it may just stay on the bench in the house when I want to charge yeah. stuff slow. Not a big I mean, there's time nothing crunch. wrong with it. It works great. It's just not a dual power lab 8. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, I finalized my battery discharge test circuit design. And ran out and got all the components last weekend, about $300 worth of components, which was a little more than I originally thought it was going to be. But I think it'll be worth it if I can actually get the
2: damn thing to work. <laughs> we'll see. So um, I have a I, feeling something's going to uh, light uh, on fire. Yeah. Which is a which, drink, fire something will light on fire. I'm completely not against. Like, I feel that that's what keeps us in check. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone needs a good fire shit your pants story. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I'm too old for but, that yeah. stuff. <laughs> well, we didn't say fire
3: have a heart for attack
0: For fires story. or <laughs> shitting your pants, Dan. Well, no, that the, the fire, the whole shit in your pants thing that that that's <laughs> That'll be coming again starts yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that's that, that's yeah, to come into come into yeah, focus kind of, a little bit more as you age. Next year or two. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the you know the circuit. I'm gonna take my time on it. I I've got so many things going on right now with the helis that I sort of chip away at it at night when I don't have something specific that I'm working on on one of the helis. But it'll get done here in the next couple of weeks. I'm Gonna test it out, of course, at a low level with a big resistor first, just to check the fun- functionality of the FETs
0: and
2: everything. Whoa.
0: Where are you gonna Where are you gonna do this testing at?
2: Your garage? In your garage? No. Next to the hot water tank. Yeah, <laughs> next
1: next to the gas line. Nick. Yeah. I'm wondering, on, uh, man.
0: You're not, okay because because you, uh, if you're going to do it in your garage, I wonder what your ins- your house insurance would.
1: I am not going to do it in my garage. I have not finalized the actual <laughs> testing. Neighbor's setup. neighbors' <laughs> cir- So here's a deal: the circuit design is done. Okay, I've got it checked out. I think it's good. I've got all the circuit components, the electrical components. Now, what I've got to work on is what the battery is actually going to be tested in. And so my first thought is, first of all, it's got to be tested outside because these things could blow up or start on fire or vent fumes. And second of all, it is apparent to me that the easiest and cheapest way to protect us from it or protect me from it is to put the the battery in sort of like a metal container and with sand at the bottom so that's that's going to be my basis for the concept and we'll see how i develop it from there
3: justin what's going to be the uh the amperage capabilities of this circuit for discharging
1: i am setting it up so Here's the deal. I'm not going to do a constant current circuit because that gets into analog control and Mm -hmm. I'm not really interested in messing with that right now because it's going to take more time than I really want to spend. So what I've gone with is a constant resistance circuit Mm. and I've got switchable high power resistors that will allow me to based on a 25 volt fully charged pack the initial or beginning of discharge current can be selected at 50, 100 or 150 amps. Okay. And I bought I bought enough high current low resistance mosfets and diodes mm-hmm. such that I can run up to 300 amps. It's just that each of the resistors is 50 bucks a piece and I've already bought 3 of them. So let's stick with 150 first and see how it goes as the max yeah. current. Oh, uh, nice. 150. Yeah, it's, only
2: 150. Dude, it's no, 150. Are you kidding me? Uh, I give it oh, no, the I, longest battery, like mm, 30 seconds. Uh, 30 seconds max. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, and,
1: and hey, that's what we want to know, right?
3: Yeah, that's the that's the goal. Learn if that if, stuff.
1: if i take a pack and run it at 150 and after 30 seconds it's smoking and fuming and it's puffing well we know two things one it can't actually handle 30c continuous like it says it can and two i just spent 150 bucks for 30 <laughs> seconds worth of smoke and fun ah, you can get another battery you're a dummy
3: that's what it said. <laughs>
1: that, that's the third thing. Ultimately, yeah. Yes. So what you're saying, Justin, is you just spent three hundred dollars in electrical components so that you can take hundred and fifty dollar batteries and destroy <laughs> them after one discharge cycle in less than a minute. Yes. Bingo. Yep. And then that's how we roll. It. Yep.
0: And now I'm going yeah. to Disneyland. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, no, I won't be able to afford Disneyland yeah. after pissing all that money away.
0: Are you done boring me with your electric talk? I'm
3: done, <sighs> but you shouldn't be bored, dude. Oh, no, Dan, Dan, you just got to remember, he he's trying to save you money in the end here. I'm going to benefit everyone.
2: So, Justin, um, yes. before you go, what is your flight? It, it's We need to tally up flight count this week. Okay. <sighs> flight count this week is... Total. Total.
1: Oh, total. For not the year. just this week. Okay, no, hang, for on, the hang year. on,
3: hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, come on. You can do this in your head. 56
1: flights. 56. 56 flights, 1.72 gallons of nitro. I don't track oh, battery goodness. cycles because I don't really give a crap. One crash. You're going to get destroyed time. You do have uh,
2: one crash this year?
1: Yeah. Yes. Don't I? Yeah, the rave. Yeah, the rave. Yeah, the rave oh, wave. Oh, yeah. That's yes. right. Remember the one where it like wrapped yep. the boot supports <laughs> oh, yeah. around yeah, the That's right.
0: It, yeah. uh, winner, winner. One right. crash,
1: and total flight time is five hours, ten minutes. That's actual stick time, like because I put in how long roughly my timer was on for per flight.
3: Yeah. Nice. nice.
1: Yeah. Cool. Okay.
0: Getting there. That's all. Next. So I got a question before we go next. Do you know something, Justin, that I don't know when you said that you're sure somebody's going to get the no fly this week?
1: Do I know something? Yeah. I don't, but let's just say it's not a high-risk
3: bet. He's just looking at previous You know,
1: given our our, our trend of late, it's a pretty reasonable bet to say that someone hasn't flown.
0: Hmm. But prove me wrong, Dan. Oh, Oh, Dan, huh? Dan. Yeah. Hey Jesse, what, what are you up to? What do you what you do this week? Oh, uh,
3: hold. Let Where'd me. You,
0: you, don't pass the buck.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you you want you want to hear right now what I've been up to? Absolutely, man. I'm very interested oh. in what you've been doing. Yeah, one sec. Let me tally up all these flights. Real oh, shot a minute here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Carry the uh, three
3: over there. Carry the four. Right, defi- okay, we're good. We're good. I can go. All right. So. It's been a good week. This has been a I've I'm not taking a no-fly card this week because I did get out and do some flying. Um last Saturday, I know I, I had high, high hopes for this day. Um talking on the podcast last week. This was supposed to be like the day in Pullman for weather. Um was not quite the case. You know, the, the weather didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to. It was still it did not rain, but I never saw that 58 degrees, so I'm pretty sure they were lying there. That did that did not happen. It was probably only about 50 degrees. Um, super, super windy. Um, 15, 20 mile an hour, constant speed wind. So, that kind of sucked for the day. But, I did have all the helis out there. And I ended up getting in 16 flights last Saturday. Spread across, nice. spread across four helis, so worked them all through the rotation. Um, so, that was... Great, you know, got some nitro flying in, got some seven HV, six HV, and the warp. So everything. I I went home with I went to the field with three helis, came home with three helis. Um, so it was it was an altogether successful day. Wait now a minute! I'm, wait a minute!
1: Three helis or four helis? I thought you said. Oh, sorry. Three.
3: Yep, I went to the field with four and came. Last week it was three. This week it's four. Four and four. Okay. Yeah, but I did, however, have. A little bit of generator trouble. I think it is time for some generator maintenance. And this is kind of self-induced. It was, what's going on is basically when I turn on the eco throttle, it's ba- it's uh, it sounds like it's going to stall out and turn off. So it's doing that revving again. Like it it's happened a couple years ago, right when I got the generator. And basically this is telling me the carbs kind of gummed up. I need to go in there, clean everything up. You know, pull the whole carb apart, carb cleaner, spray everything out, put it back together. Should be good to go. Um, Now, I was really going to try to avoid this. You know, I've been really, really on it about every three tanks, throw in a little bit of seafoam just to do some preventative maintenance. So basically, I don't have to go in there and do this again. But uh, I'd kind of been slacking on that a little bit. So what had happened was I probably left my generator outside for three I think three weeks, uh, when I didn't get out to get a chance to fly for like three weeks and it was outside. So we're talking freezing, sub-freezing temperatures and there was no stabilizer in the fuel. And so I'm fairly certain that would be the cause of what I'm experiencing right now. So hopefully this next week I will get a chance to tear down the generator, go through the carb and clean everything up. Um, and actually I'm, I'm fairly certain I'll get to it this next week because, um, I don't have school for a week. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Somebody Uh-oh. is on Dude. spring break. Oh, See, yeah.
1: this, that's not fair.
3: <laughs> oh, just, I'm not even done yet, Justin. If you're freaking out, you might want to go grab another drink or something. If you're freaking out already.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, continue. No, no, no. So, I got a whole week off of school. Unfortunately, though, I'm looking at the forecast here going... Man, why did I not just stay in Pullman for the week? I mean, the weather there is looking great. It's looking up. I come here and look at the forecast, and I see tomorrow, hundred percent chance of rain. It's it's a little bit depressing. I'm not gonna lie. Now I do have some you know some other stuff I can do, but I would really like to get out and fly. So about midweek, I think Nick was sending Nick texted me and asked what my flight count was, and I think at the time I was at 111 flights, and Nick's response was well, I may be able to catch you by Friday, maybe Friday being today. And, you know, I just could not let that happen. That, that basically in my mind was not <laughs> an acceptable option. That was not, Butthead. <laughs> that was not going to happen. So I went out to the field again yesterday, Um, ba- pulled a pretty late night, Wednesday night, doing just getting all my homework done for the rest of the week that I had to turn in today. And that kind of freed up yesterday and went out to the field. The weather once again was Not great, pretty warm, but 17 flights later, I'm, you know, heading home pretty happy again with four helis. So, you know, overall, very, very successful week. And that, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and say it because I know Nick's going to ask what the flight count is. That brings me up to a grand total of 128 for the year. Whoa. Dan. Some
1: Dan. I'm
0: here. I'm here. Here.
1: yeah the uh the bull scrotum is coming for your chin dude yeah. <laughs> you think so huh it's gonna rub all up on's that shit
0: all right
1: <laughs> because 128 i mean what were you at last week you got you got 35 uh, i was at about 90 week?
3: i was at 95 last week so yeah i got in 16 last friday and 17 yesterday wow i mean honestly it's it's been great because having I mean I'm I'm finding that the the flights per hour I can get in is greatly increased when you you know you bring all four helis out there have a couple flight packs per heli and um, you know spending 3 hours out at the field you'd be amazed when I'm by, completely by myself you know there's no interruptions it's literally go fly come back maybe you know take a couple minute break take a drink of water get a snack every now and then and you know new packs are ready to go instantly and I'm just plugging in going back out and flying so Eight flights and nine flights in an hour isn't isn't hard when I'm actually focusing. Now to get in that 17, I was probably out there for three, three and a half hours. There are some longer breaks in there, but it's uh I guess when, when you go out there extremely focused, it it does not take long to to rack up the flights. I um, can't compete with that. Now to rack up the meaningful flights, that does take a little bit longer because I found once I I think 1617 is is right about my my limit right now. And I was talking to Nick about this last week too. Um you kind of get to that point where you know you're you're progressing, you're going. I was working on a lot of I spent numerous flights um yesterday just working on new moves. Um the the moves that I'd been working on in the sim. Some of those were finally able to transfer over and you know what the heck go for them in real life. Blech. But, uh
2: that's what I gotta say. Suck to it, you. Jesse.
3: That, <laughs> that brought the mood down. No, that, that was a great, that, you know, that was my week, guys. That was an awesome week. I don't know you what you guys mood are complaining has about. has the
1: opposite effect on me. In today's heli market, it can be a challenge to find a retailer that stocks a variety of different brands and parts has great customer service and boasts fast shipping. I can tell you that Rotary Wing RC has all of this and more. Finally, I feel like i found a place where I can get everything in one order and I'm confident that I'll get the shipment quickly so that I can get back in the air next weekend. You don't believe it, huh? Trust me. Go to www.rotarywingrc.com now and check out your new go-to online heli shop.
2: Dick, do you want to go next or do you Did want I? me to go next? You can go because I'll be entertaining, I feel. All right. So, <laughs> so Justin. <laughs>
1: so, do, are, are you implying that Jesse was not entertaining? Not in the least. Well, bit. I don't think any, I any of the us three found Jesse. it entertaining. There's somebody out no.
0: there that found it entertaining. I mean, that's, a, will you be know, that's okay. Jesse
3: was entertained. I yeah. was definitely entertained this last week. You know that we're we're in a hobby to fly helicopters, and that's exactly. I think the race is between Jeff
0: Bond, and Jesse this year.
3: I agree with you, but Jeff is moving fast. Well, don't don't Jesse. worry, I, I commented on a Facebook post. I told him he can take as many days off as he wants. So I'm I'm hoping he'll take that advice, and I can maybe close that gap. We'll see. But he, he's got. He's well, you're got closing a lead it pretty quick. He's definitely got a lead, so. You're you you're know. less than a hundred away from him, I think. Yeah, if, if he hasn't gotten in sixty more by now. I think I'm just gonna true. quit
0: my job. That'll solve that goddamn problem. That seems <laughs> you to be the lot.
3: only
1: the only reasonable course of action here, Dan. I agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe I'll move in with Ed. He's got a spare room underneath the, in the basement. Anyway, I'll go now. So Justin, you you seem to have, have implied that I didn't get any flights in this week.
1: I I was not implying that it was you specifically. But you are. But you certainly have contributed significantly to the downward trend hmm. <laughs> in the last couple of weeks.
0: Well, I got but, 17 in go this ahead. week. Oh,
1: oh. dude. <laughs> out of nowhere. Where did that
0: come from? The weather broke. The snow went away and the sun came out. It's been nice here, man. Uh, it's raining today, but um, tomorrow is another day. All weekend. It's supposed to be nice. Here's the deal. In total, I'll just go over this real quick and I'll move on with other stuff I've been doing. But let me pull out the uh, the good old app here. Right now, as it stands, um, it's, I'm still way behind at 23 total goblin fight, flights. You guys won't let me count my, my multi rotor flights. If nope. you did let me count mm-hmm. those, I would be at about sixty five flights.
2: Doesn't count. That's no, an unhealthy you would be amount at of multi-rotor
0: like 27 flights twenty seven,
1: because we give you one flight for every ten multi rotor flights. <laughs>
0: no, we don't give
1: anything. <laughs> you're right. You're right. No, you're right.
0: I gotta tell you guys though, it's it was nice to fly. Uh, there is one dude, this last week. Every flight I did was with a standard radio. Did not use the knob this week.
1: Seriously? Really? Nice, Nice, dude. Paid the price for it, but... What, the wrist hurts now?
0: Well, it does. I mean, it it does, actually, but not... It goes, you know, take a few hits off the crack pipe, goes away.
3: True, true. (laughs) Nice. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect.
0: It does go sore, and it does get a little worked up, but nothing like it used to. So, that felt good. It's still, I don't know, man. I still kind of feel like I am. Base, I don't know. I don't want to say I'm starting over, but it kind of feels that way. And it was, but it started feeling good. Uh, I did get a bunch of flights in. Uh, let's see, Saturday morning, uh, and then I went. I had to go to work in the afternoon, and then uh, on the weekday, Wednesday, I had a nice little day at court. But I wasn't. I was able to go get a bunch of flights in before I had to go do that. And then I got a couple of lights in after work uh, throughout the week. So it worked out. But I don't have my Nitro going. I don't have the Rush going. And I'm kind of getting bored of the Goblin 550.
1: Really? Hmm. Yeah. The 500? Or the 500. Why
0: yeah. are you getting bored of it? Because it's, it's little? Because it's too damn small.
2: Really? Hey, you know but what I fast? saw, dude? Hmm. I actually saw today, I think, a uh, Lynx heli. Uh, makes a little stretch kit, a bolt-on tail case, kind of like uh, like they've got for the 770 to run 800s that I think you can run, like, five, I want to say 550 millimeter blades on it.
0: Eh. If that's true, I would highly recommend doing that. Well, mainly my goal is to get the uh, Nitro going soon. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it serves its purpose. Uh, but I just remember I was flying. I'm like, Ugh, I really wish I had the nitro gone. But I didn't. So I went to court. Got that all sorted out. I'm on my way home and I get pulled over because I have a missing brake light. I mean, come on. And I got a seatbelt ticket. It's been that kind of week. Oh, man.
2: What? You were going to court. Yeah. I went to co- or court. for a
0: ticket. For a ticket,
2: yes, for, for tr- some multiple traffic violations. Multiple
0: traffic violations, <laughs> yes.
2: And you got pulled over and got a ticket on the way home, yeah. for Dude. multiple traffic violations.
0: Multiple. Tra- well, here's the deal. Uh, okay, so I walk out of the courtroom. I get in my car, <laughs> and it's um, you park on this. You know, it's the angled parking on the side of the road. It's it's not parallel style parking. It's angled parking. So, in my little car, there was this big ass truck parked next to me. And you know, you kind of, it's one of those deals where you got to go, well, I'll just slowly back out until I can kind of see what's happening. Most people are, you know, they kind of watch out for that. Just so happened that there was a highway patrol there. Very courteously stopped and let me out. And I proceeded to drive through town and I can't help but notice this asshole is following me. I mean, I make some turns that I didn't need to make. He's right behind me, all the way through Aww. town, <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, I I know he's maybe he's just running my plates, and as soon as he's happy with whatever he finds out, he'll just veer off and go somewhere else." Not so lucky. Pulls me over, missing brake light or tail light or brake light out, and I didn't have my seatbelt on. So, so this how guy were the tickets. He eyed
2: you when you were pulling out of court. <laughs> yeah, I mean he knew so I. So technically, yeah, he knew he I, did I was not even right leave from court. the facility, and you were already in trouble
0: again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a twenty dollar ticket. Uh, he just gave me a warning for the. Uh... I guess that's not no, terrible, it wasn't but still. And the judge was very I mean. Need... It's like
1: kicking you while you're down.
0: I know. I really felt like I felt so defeated that day, but. The judge was very lenient. I mean, I got a speeding ticket. I was going exceptionally fast and um, didn't have some, you know, paperwork you're supposed to have. Didn't have a driver's license. Um, <laughs> didn't have, car like, anything, stolen. really. Did, what,
1: did, did you just leave your house without your wallet? <laughs> did you have pants on? I Did, did have you pan- try to use an excuse?
0: <laughs> I did. I, you know, I normally drive my car to work, and that day I had to pick up the new scooter, right? That was that was how long ago this happened when I got the scooter, and I have a uh, you know a, a hitch, um, a receiver hitch. I guess it's a platform. You guys have seen it, right, on my truck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I needed it to pick up the scooter, and um, I, I don't know. I was just driving, and to uh, to be honest, I didn't know that stretch. I I thought the speed limit was well it. It wasn't as fast as I was going, but I didn't think it was as low as it was, which made the ticket worse. Anyway, long story short, the judge was very lenient. She could have really nailed me with like $1,300, uh, but she let me get away with, uh, I think with traffic or court costs, it came to 365 So can I ask Man. one more question? Sure. Did you wear your seatbelt today? No, dude, I do not wear seatbelts. Why not? <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> <That's just> Followed <laughs> by a bunch of tickets. <laughs> I've never got yeah, a seatbelt exactly. ticket. I've never got a seatbelt <laughs> ticket before. Let's well, just long story. Now you st- got two. Here's another long. Here's I. Oh, dude, on the highway, I get seatbelt put on before they get me pulled over. I didn't get a seatbelt ticket the day I got the with the truck, but when I was a kid, was in a wreck, went over a cliff. Had I had my seatbelt on, I would have been impaled by a six-inch tree limb. Wow.
1: Now that's a story.
0: It came right through the window, driver's window. I got thrown out of the passenger seat, and it went through the driver's window, through the passenger seat, through the back window.
1: Hmm. Wow.
0: So, I don't know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I could see that. (laughs) So, I don't wear seatbelts. I, I probably will start, because that was a senseless ticket. That was a long time ago. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I got to uh, remade one of Ed's helicopters, 600. Now, here's the deal. It was a little sketchy, because it was the first fully solo setup Ed had ever done on a Beast X. He did it, mm-hmm. all, he did it all himself.
3: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> did you check it over first?
0: I did check it over and I found one error. The, uh, slosh plate was correcting in the wrong direction on the elevator.
2: Oh, jeez.
0: Oh, that oh. would have been some fun. <laughs> so that was the one, that was the one issue. But so I put it out there and it was flying. And I just was like, dude, what is up with the vibration? What, what did you do? I mean, this helicopter looks like it's trying to shuffle popcorn around on a pan, you know, to keep it from burning. It's just back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, So I land. He brings it in, and I'm just kind of playing around with the head. And I'm like, "There's like a eighth inch of eighth inch of movement in the head. The Jesus bolt was not tight." Oh, Hmm. whoa, Jesus! Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, Jesus! So, and here's the cat. So he's like, he goes to tighten, and he says, "But I can't tighten anymore." I said, "Well, then you've got the wrong Jesus bolt in that head." Unfortunately, I have to give Ed a very poor grade on his first solo attempt at a setup. He's pretty disappointed about that. He didn't want me no. to tell anybody. He's like, let's see. Don't, so do don't worry, do. Ed. What do, Dan what do you got?
1: do when someone
3: doesn't want you to tell anyone?
1: I tell you them. announce it I tell yeah. on a podcast.
3: <laughs> yeah, but Ed, don't worry. Dan didn't get such a great grade himself on his first BeastX setup.
0: I got a great grade. That fucking machine was a beast, man. It had great response, didn't it, Nick? Oh, it did. Oh it yeah, had dude. Pop. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. I was a. I'm a trendsetter, man. With that, all that, <laughs> with 22 degrees, man. <laughs> all that pitch. You just watch. People will be doing that soon. Yeah, I was like Maxwell, 16. <laughs> I got you 22. were just you
1: were just trying to get into speed, dude. Exactly. <laughs>
0: No, Ed, he did a good job. He, You know, he, he's, he's a little nervous about that kind of stuff. And uh, he actually is setting up an Icon today all by himself. So I'll be checking that out tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. So to recap, I got some flights in. Justin, you dick.
1: Good, dude. I'm glad. <laughs> I am glad you proved me wrong. We all need to be getting flights in, <laughs> I, uh, except for Jesse.
0: <laughs> except for Jesse. I'm hoping to get the Nitro going. <laughs> I'm just really struggling to find time to get that done, to be honest with you. So I got to get that done. And I did was able to work on the rush a little bit. That's damn near ready to go. And um Ed's compass is almost ready to go as well. He's excited about that. That's what he's setting up the icon on right now. Wow. That's uh that's my week in a nutshell.
3: Yeah, I just want to, you know, Ed maybe have a double look at the icon setup after Dan looks at it cuz he may purposefully switch something. <laughs> On the compass. Just to so make it interesting. You just, You're right, yeah. Jesse. Well, not, you just might want to give it a quick look over, you know, make sure he didn't reverse anything.
0: I actually am gonna be the one to fly it first.
3: No. So You're that's gonna, screwed then. Sorry Ed.
0: That that's gonna be the funnest crash I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. That is gonna be a glorious pile in. Straight up. <laughs> compass destroyed.
3: Ouch. I'm sure it'll take it just fine. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: So that's it for me, guys. How about you, Nick? What do you What do you got going this week? Uh, I got some flights in as well. You did. I saw that. I did.
2: I have been flying um, almost almost every day at work. So nice. just going out at lunchtime, getting in four. I want to say about on average every day at work. I did actually. No, I'll leave that for the for the very end. Uh, we did get the MD seven hundred in. For review. That showed up this week. So as some have seen, I have started the build there. Uh, As of this moment, I forgot to order blades because at first it was like, well, how am I going to build this thing? And then after I thought about it a little more and ended up uh, talking with Patrick at KDE, uh, I just kind of decided to go for the 750-ish size uh, with the plan of going up to 14S, and when I go 14S, uh, then I'll probably go full 800. So I think I'm either going to fly it on like, you know, probably 750s, but I've also heard uh, from a lot of people that uh, the aligned 780 blades are pretty narrow cord, and that's what comes on the uh, 800E DFC Pro, Uh, you know, so I might just go ahead and try those too, but it will be set up on 12S. So we've got the KDE, the new seven hundred XF G three four fifty five KV motor in that one. So far everything's going good. I think I've got I got a couple servo extensions left to finish up. I did take my time uh during the week before it got here. Uh sat down and watched some uh V Bar Electric Governor videos because I've never ran V Bar Electric Gov. I just never got around to it. Always yeah, out playing with something else, but like I told everyone, I really wanted to, you know, just go for it and do it. And whether the experience is good or bad, it's it's hard to say. Been flying the Icon, using the Icon Gov on lots of different speed controllers, and I've been very, very happy with it. Uh, still, for those who are wondering. Ah, yeah. This is going to be. This is pretty tough to say. I shouldn't say it's tough to say. It's surprising to say. Uh, the raptor, it flies. It really does fly great. So I've got a Scorpion one thirty speed controller on that, uh, running off the Icon Gov. I'm running uh, Rail six ninety sixes and one fifteen tails. Uh, flies fantastic. I have no issues with it at all. After. Uh, the Blade 700X still flies the best at all my helis. Really? How about that? It does, dude. It <laughs> it, it really does. I'm not going to give out too much detail. I've always loved the way that it flew. Uh, tuned, it tunes very easy. Uh, seems totally kosher. I've got a Castle 120 running off the Icon Gov on that one. I'm running it on 700 millimeter Compass Blades and 115 tails. Uh man, it just it's I don't know, it's hard to explain. It flies very very nice, very locked in. So, dude, yeah. that thing keeps standing the test of time. Dude, it won't die. It just won't. I mean, I I just I literally plug and fly. Plug and fly. And this week I did get to get the first flights in on the 700XF G3 Five thirty-five KV motor, mm-hmm. um, which so just so everyone knows, it's not a complete and total apples to apples comparison with the 4526 F3C motor that I had in there because this is like a 430 or 4530 class motor. So it is a little bit heavier, but I have also owned, flown and owned a 4530 uh, Scorpion as well and put quite a bit of flights on that. So I know the differences in how they fly. But uh yeah, so I've got my flights on that and we'll we'll wait for the review to see how that's going.
1: How you know, you how many flights do you have on the E700 right now,
2: Nick? Uh bear with me and let me check. This cool app that I got. Yeah. Yeah, so I have a grand total of, oh, I guess I thought I had more than that. But, you know, I've been rotating them all evenly, so they don't, when you, I've got a bunch of them now, so they don't get as many. I have 32 total flights. Okay. How many, whoa, 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 whoa. Total for the year? No. No, total on that heli. On that heli.
1: Okay, and how about the 700X? Oh, geez. Uh, This year, 28. No, just total, total.
2: Oh, uh, that I don't know.
1: Well, okay, so I'm 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 leading you into this here, but what I was wondering is how are those two wearing in long term? Are you are you seeing any areas where, as you put another fifty or a hundred flights on them, you're going to have to start paying attention
2: for components uh, that fail or the E seven hundred hundred's Too early to tell. I yeah, mean I'm I not seeing that's the case. I'm not seeing anything negative so far. I mean, not anything at all. And I really don't have anything... I don't really have anything negative to say about the helicopter in general. The You know, it's tight getting the packs in. This would be one of those where, like, your stick packs would just be... Too, it, it's would be highly advantageous. The blade's not as big of a deal. It has a little bit more battery room. Mm-hmm. Um. Although the E700 will fit 5,300 packs... Uh, the short stubby one stock, and I did have to remove the front gyro tray uh, on the blade and move the ESC tray up a bit. So I just took the gyro tray and basically cut the plastic out of the middle of it and moved some spacers up. I, I mean, it was no big deal. The whole mod took you know maybe 15 minutes, drilling some holes, and now they right. fit. But it's just I think that it's it's a little bit easier. Uh, as far as the 700X, go, dude, it just won't... I have a little bit of slop in the servos, but that all happened after that massive canopy bump. <laughs> mm-hmm. bump. Uh, no, I don't touch it. I literally just fly it. Throw a little lube on the, the tail shaft in the head every on the swash every now and then. <laughs> and that's it. Nice. Uh, the only heli that... Uh, <laughs> Until previously, until, well, until yesterday, I had had that good of luck with would be the T-Rex, the DFC. Uh, That one probably had 150 flights not touch the thing.
1: But. Now, based on some pictures I saw, you're going to be touching it all over. Yeah, you may.
2: (laughs) I I did crash. (laughs) I crashed.
1: <laughs> I love how he <laughs> says that. I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. I did crash.
2: Yep. I did not do any of this uh, sissy crashing like Jesse does. Nice. We I drove that can't dirty that monkey lucky. in, dude. I just, just wanted it up. <laughs> no throttle hold. No nothing. Oh. Ah. I had been working. All week, and this was kind of the advantage of being at work and having the okay, so get this, dude, you guys are going to be like okay you 're really ghetto. you remember those packs that I said I retired you 're flying them again I unretired them <laughs> brought them what? back, yeah, I did I brought them back. They are so bad that it it was a it was a benefit mm-hmm. they you can 't fly them hard like' out there in practice and, yeah, it does, so I sat out there every day. For four flights at lunch, and did nothing but pyro flips and pyro reversals, right rudder pyro flips, like four flights in a row every day at lunch. And what so happened, you're using was, crappy
1: packs to enforce collective management?
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> because that it's so bad, the head wobbles. I mean, when the you know that head speed drop, they're bad, but. It, they would hold a five-minute flight doing nothing but just flips. Nice. So it worked. But I got bored after, I think I did that for three days this week. Um, and I got bored on the third flight of yesterday. And I had the last pack that I had uh, for the DFC was a good pack. I have two two sketchy ones and one good one. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I got to just go around and fly a little bit, you know, make some noise, have some fun. So I was chucking it around, hauling around all over the place, having a good time. And I'm, you know, I've been working a lot on the right rudder pearl flips. Well, the lefts are getting really good, like really good, super controlled, moving them left, right, up, down, round in circles, both directions. I mean, I'm feeling good about it. So I'm out there doing them and I'm like, yeah, we're going to bring them down. Yeah, we're going to bring them down. And then all of a sudden they hit that eye level. Mm-hmm. And I've never had double and triple pirouettes flips at eye level or gotten them slightly lower. Visually, mm-hmm. they look a lot different. <laughs> yeah, Like, yes, a lot different. Your reference points, and when it gets flat at eye level, it's actually super hard because when you're and you know, fast. I mean, those are full rudder ones. Uh, It's easy to get your timing off. When you're underneath, when you're looking up at it, you can very clearly see where the nose and the tail is as it's spinning quickly to keep your timing on. So right as I'm coming down, I get at eye level, and I get one in, and then I kind of go, my brain hesitates for a second and is like, whoa. You can't really see where the nose is, but as I'm saying that, my fingers are still stirring. And then I hesitated. And you know what happens when you hesitate. That's all that it took. It's all. I had it. I had it. But then I stopped for and and flinched on the cyclic for the second and got my stir about a quarter stir off. And I've never seen a helicopter go in so fast. (laughs) Oh, dude. Dude, it was like (laughs) wax. (laughs) <laughs> you hear that that nasty electric screech when it hits under power and i I seriously stripped off like three quarters of the teeth on my k d e main gear It was bad
0: <laughs> dislocated
2: wow. the tail I had to go find that um it so far damage the damage is bad I have a lot of spares, but canopy has gone blades are gone. I have to give a huge shout-out to Patrick at KDE. That freaking SXT head, not one single thing is bent. Oh, jeez. I cannot believe it because I bent. I took out both main bearings, bent the main shaft, did not bend the feathering shaft, stripped out a set of MKS gears on the cyclic and stripped out the tail gears. Dude, that's some serious business there that's what I mean how do you strip out mks gear sets and not bend a feathering shaft or or bend like a grip arm on the head or something I don't know it's because as you know
1: I can put them in
2: and I've never
1: stripped mks
2: servos before yep so and everything in the tail you know tail back most of that is shot Uh, I'll be able to use the tail case but I think the tail shaft is shot it's gonna be a you know, my guess is it'll be probably be a three hundred dollar crash total, not including blades. Yeah, I would say including because if I can find, you know, if I can get blades in a canopy for let's say one eighty, my guess is that there's about a hundred and twenty bucks in actual heli parts. Well, okay, maybe maybe four four hundred dollar crash because <laughs> those gear sets are expensive. Yeah, you know what? Damn, dude. It was time for maintenance anyway. Hell yeah, dude. That's the best way to do it. Yeah, so now I got to go like completely through it. I mean, I might as well. Yep. No frame damage or anything? Nope. No frame damage, which is the, the big... I mean, if it had broken frames on both sides, I'd be like, yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe I don't need uh, to. Maybe I don't yeah, need a 700 And
2: I, I put a post up, and yes, believe me, the first thing that I thought of was... Oh, my God, I'm going to break my New Year's resolution. <laughs> but, there's, I mean, this helicopter has been really, really good to me. I can't complain. But there is, I have very little, if any, emotional attachment to it. It's just the DFC. That's all it is in my mind. And that might sound kind of like ass. That's mean, dude. Well, I, I don't want it to come across as, like, arrogant because I'm very fortunate for all of the helicopters that I have. I know there's a lot of people out there being like, dude, I would give my left testicle for just a 700, any 700. So, I mean, I don't want to sound like that, but you know, amongst the helis that I'm grateful enough and uh, to have, it is just the one that I have. Don't, I don't have any emotional attachment to it. And it does get tempting to want to try new stuff. And so it's kind of like, God, you know, I could fix this thing up and Maybe I could swap it for something else I haven't tried yet. <laughs> but then there's that that whole New Year's resolution.
0: I think you should go with Convert an arrow.
2: to a nitro. No, I am going to get a nitro though. I've decided that um, you know if everything works out good with the MD, uh, having the MD, I, I did shelf the 700 EX for now until Ma gets that whole thing figured out. It's in one piece. I want to keep it that way for right now. Yep. Uh, But I think, you know, uh, either I fix this and keep it or fix it and trade it, Uh, either or, I think the next actual heli is a Nitro, almost for sure. Because I'm sitting here looking on my flight log, and while the total flight count looks good at 104, my... Total fuel used for this year is 0.00 gallons <laughs> <laughs> I'm winning at something <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah that that makes me sad but I think I think that's it for the week. so yes, me and Jesse are God I hope man I hope we're getting out and flying this weekend. I can only hope the weather I'll have a bachelor's weekend with no family. I'm telling you,
1: come down here tomorrow. We've got an 80% chance of rain, which is better than your 100%. <laughs> that
0: is very, very fair. <laughs> so is that uh, that wrap up your week, Nick?
2: I think so. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but... All
0: eh. Alrighty, What do you say we uh, do some news? We could probably do it.
1: Hey, Nick, those custom charging cases you've been putting together lately are awesome. But what would I do if I thought that was all a little bit too far over my head?
2: Ah, man, I got you. You're going to want to head over to Progressive RC and check out their charging case combos. These bad boys are ready to go right out of the box. And if you change your mind and end up feeling a little bit adventurous, Progressive also has all the accessories needed to build one yourself. Sweet,
1: man. I'm going to head over to www.progressiverc.com today to check out my options.
0: This week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. What do we got this week, Nick? All right, so uh, the big, well,
2: I, I don't think it's big, but I'm sure there are some people out there that do, which I respect. Uh some big news from Gowie. I know a lot of us had been hoping that they were doing an what would be an NX seven. But alas it turned out to be an NX4 gasser. Do you guys see that? Uh, yeah. Yes, I did.
1: I'm torn with this one.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I want mean, to it's know
1: a Justin's gasser. opinion. Here. Okay. Here's Justin's opinion. I love gassers. And as a gasser lover, this is something I would love to try out. But then I take a step back and look at it and it's a 500 class gasser or, well, 430 millimeter blades. And I don't know why that makes sense. It's intriguing to me. I, 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 they definitely confused me with it, and I, I think I expected an NX-7 just like the rest of us. But what would be nice is if this thing can actually put out some decent power in the size of heli they're going to cram it into, then the fuel economy on it has just got to be freaking ridiculous. Yeah. Did you I mean, see the th- video?
0: I did. I saw it.
1: I didn't get a chance to see the video. It was sc- what, it was how much scream. time did he get on it? Dude.
2: I don't know about time. But it was screaming. But was but you
1: really need to watch that video. See, now that's that's promising. If it's if it's truly 3D-able <laughs> and there's no difference between it and an NX4 or a similar, you know, 500 class heli, you could have like 20-minute 3D flights. Cuz my big 27cc engine only burns like an ounce of fuel a minute when it's tuned. This thing has got to be way, way, way lower than
2: that. I'll be honest. It sounded more powerful than the NX4. Really? Hmm. Dan?
0: Yeah, I would agree.
2: Uh Here's my concern, though. Even if it is slightly more powerful, the NX4 had about as much float as a brick okay and while you can just keep turning head speed up to get it to pop there is still a certain amount of knife edge float that's kind of nice to have with disc loading and so i still i don't think it's gonna have that but dude you gotta what watch blades the can it swing what's the largest blades it can swing that i'm not sure
1: can you stretch it do we know what motor it has in it yeah, it's like a Gowie special, I think.
0: Like a 15cc? It's uh, 20cc. My question why is am this. I not? That's a small package, right? How how are they yes. taking care of the cooling? Because that's a big issue with gasers.
1: Well, oh, they've yeah. got it. They've got an integrated cooling shroud just like a a Nitro. Yeah. Motor. Dude,
0: it looks Yeah,
2: it exactly looks like a like Nitro. A nitro motor. Yeah, it doesn't make does. any difference. It really does. Yeah. Like, the only thing that I could tell, like, seriously, if I was just a dude walking up, the only thing that would confuse me is the little ignition box strapped to the front of the heli. (laughs) Or the sound. Well, yeah, I'm talking not running, smartass.
0: I would imagine that that thing in person, the sound of that thing just must be horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Probably sounds Uh. like Justin's freaking Baja. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Like you need to be wearing some type of ear protection if you're gonna be flying (laughs) it.
2: That's a pretty big that's a regular muffler though. Like just a it looks very nitro muffler ish. I mean that's a large muffler for that size helicopter. It spans the whole length of the frame.
1: Yeah, well it's got gasser gasser engines are typically much larger displacement for the same size heli. So it makes sense that the pipes got to have more volume. How about this? I want to be
2: wrong on this one. How about that? I do too.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I do too.
2: Truthfully, I mean, I'll, I'll be very honest. If 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 this helicopter right here had more power than the nitro version, got better fuel economy than the nitro version, then. I would not see a reason in owning the nitro version of this helicopter. How about that? Agreed. No, especially with fuel costs. And that's even coming from this guy. I mean. No, I'm with you, dude. Absolutely.
1: I mean, this one, for me, this this fuses two very big interests. And one is the gasser side of it. And the other is the NX4 in general. Because you remember, I was really interested. Yeah. In getting into an NX4, and I did some research on it, and you know, got some mixed opinions,
2: and just sort of moved away from it. But, dude, yeah, I was super hmm. interested until I flew it because it just wasn't. It, it That's felt what to I me heard like, from
1: a lot of people.
2: It felt to me like it was going back to a an OS50 and a 600.
1: Yeah, a lot of people I talked to said, "Oh yeah, dude, it was really cool for the first five flights." <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. It's Maybe the small. more that's too small.
1: they <laughs> okay. already written it off. Why didn't they call it the GX Four?
0: That's a good I question,
1: dude. Really? Yeah. I know.
2: But ah, okay, all right. So here, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate with myself. Something this size would be killer to fly at lunch, like Dan, like you're using the Goblin 500 for, right? Mm-hmm. If you could fly a you know, a fuel helicopter in your specific area, but what's would be really cool to me is if like, h- how much flight time are we talking? Yeah, you're gonna get more stick time per. I mean, each can journey. I go out there and fly for you know twenty minutes straight?
1: I'm gonna guess twenty minutes, dude. I get, I can get fifteen minutes on a fifteen ounce tank. Do we really
0: need Whip twenty Black straight minutes or. of flight time though? I would like. 10
2: and then be able to land, take a break, but not have to refuel. Yep. You know what I mean? Because then That's I wouldn't I need well. to bring like anything. I could bring just the heli, transmitter, and a starter. And a full tank of, of fuel. And a full tank of fuel. fuel. Exactly. I do and, two seven and a half minute flights on one. And then tank. I could steal gas from work too. So that'd be <laughs> cool. <laughs> no, I <I'm> get <kidding. laughs> But I I mean it's there i I get it I understand it and if it's got the power like the video shows and it has more than the Nitro version, I would be far more open-minded to it than I would a Nitro one yeah we just got to remember that videos can be
3: very deceiving yeah. because that is remember watching the videos of the NX4 that's true and there's some people throwing that thing around.
2: You know? Well, and I, uh, yeah, and you, can, I mean, I still think that you, you can, I, you know, I watched Alvin Chai fly his in person and, but I mean, that was, dude, it was wound. I mean, just wound to the max, yeah. but you could still tell that it, you were just, you know, you're running it at a hundred percent all the time to barely get it to do stuff. And it would be nice to have a little bit more headroom. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we've got a big congratulations. This is kind of really a uh, unique situation. So uh, there was the Rotor Life 2004 competition. And how about this? Brothers, Duncan and Jonathan Bossian, got first and second place. How about that? Nice. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. There's a picture of them both standing up there. You know, one's got the arm around the other one first and second place uh, I think that would be really cool to be able to not only to share the hobby you know, with your brother, but be able to go up there and kick some ass doing yeah, it. Yeah, and like, dominate nice. the hobby. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the 700XF G3 motors, or just the G3 series in general from KDE, Patrick put out uh, another extremely in-depth video. I mean, he takes these things all the way apart and goes down – Every little specific feature of the motor i've talked to Patrick personally, and you know this this version, the G three series, was his opportunity uh, not only as the owner of the company but as the lead engineer to do you know to do every single thing that he wanted to with the motor. There was nothing holding him back as far as you know manufacturing or who he had making the motor or this or that. this was all him hundred percent exactly the way that he wanted it. And in this video, uh, he actually goes through all of those features. So uh, if you were considering one of these, or if you're just kind of curious or waiting to see how the review goes, check out this video, because I'm not going to go so much into detail on the actual physical features of the motor, because this video does a, I mean, it's straight from the designer and you don't get to see that very often. So check that out. Justin, I was very disappointed Uh-oh. that you did not make goblin day last year. <laughs> but you have an opportunity oh, to go on. this year.
0: Gobble gobble. Dude.
2: August 29th, 30th and 31st in Germany. Goblin Day 2014 are you going? No. You're a loser. Why? Oh, How could geez. you let your team down? Yeah, dude. Dude. Man. You guys
0: are killing me
1: here. <laughs> I happen to the enjoy the the Garbin goodness, uh-huh, uh-huh. but I am not a Garbin fanboy. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Your fleet would say otherwise, yeah. but <laughs> no, it's all a matter of perspective, my friend.
2: What yeah. <laughs> t- Tell us
1: more about this goblin day, Nick.
2: Well, Convince so... me. It is a it is a entire day <laughs> just for Goblin owners in Germany. They've got product reviews, live support uh, by the Sab staff, demo flights, competitions, raffles, food, after hours party, special guests. Uh, Tarek is going to be there, so Ooh, he's the guest of honor. He is the guest of honor. I guess it actually went really well last time. So I, what does this mean if you brought, say, a compass? I don't would think you you're going to get any— Would you get lynched? Yeah, you probably would. Yeah. It's weird because they say it's in Germany, but I thought this this was pretty much just like a typical flying day in Florida myself. But, I mean, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is way Every a, day in
0: Florida is Goblin Day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> I don't know why we got to go all the way across the world for up, it. Up there but, in New uh, York,
0: too. Chris Reiber and Jake and and all those guys. Oh, too. yeah, Kyle. J- and Kyle. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Hardcore Garbin. We don't, uh, Sab. If you're listening, Justin's pretty much like Carrie in the West Coast over here. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So So uh, let's get some Garbin <laughs> love in the in the West.
0: <laughs> I think oh, I think man. if we keep calling them Garbin, they might shy away from that.
2: Well, uh, you know, That's sometimes a- you got to poke people to get them. It's to move. it's a it's a term of endearment. <laughs> it is. Justin loves the shit out of his. We know that. All right. <laughs> Lo- logo uh, Mikado has released the new logo six ninety SX. They had some uh, pictures of it there at the Rotor Live event in Germany. Ah, uh, I'm not seeing the ooh ah. It seems you know there's. I don't have any technical information on it, but it really just looks like kind of the SX updates that they did to the six hundred in the Why yeah,
1: why is it called the 690? Do we know anything about this helicopter? because well, I'm looking at the photos, it looks
2: like the same old 600 SE that I owned years ago. That's I think they just changed the name and it does mm-hmm. have the um DSX upgrades on it, you know, right off the back, the metal, the pinion support and that whole that whole deal. I'm not saying it's a bad heli. Yeah, I'm sure it'll fly great. It just seems like very very way behind. You know what I mean? And not just kind of behind, but like way, way behind. Then again, I've never. It does owned have the a logo. weird, like, white plastic
1: deal at the base of the airframe where the skids meet. Mm hmm. That isn't like the old ones. But who knows? <laughs> it isn't. I
2: don't know. I, Whatever. All right. Uh, speaking of events. HeliMasters 2014. For those of you who don't know, HeliMasters has pretty much kind of replaced 3D Masters, hasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a pilot's list for 2014. And this event is again on the 4th through the 6th of July. So you've got a pilot's list, and uh, there were some slight modifications to the list of maneuvers. Um, so in the link we got up here, you can read about that, check out the list of pilots. I would love to go see one of that to go see this one year. I I mean, my guess is that it it would probably piss me off just because you realize how far you are behind, (laughs) how much you not even close. Yeah, but this I mean, this really is, you know, like these are the best, the best in the world. If you want to go see the best in the world, now I'm not talking, you know, maybe not the most entertaining. I know that's kind of a rough statement, but technically this is where the best of the best go. You know? I think
1: that's valid. I mean watching technical flying can be tiring. Yeah. Because there's so much going on you've got to focus and pay attention to see what they're gonna do next.
2: Yeah. No, I completely agree. And it's but still, I mean the amount of talent is just it's it's just flat out mind boggling. So I think it'll be really interesting. And this is in Venlo again? I do believe so. Let's go. All right.
0: Let's go this year. (laughs)
2: That, I think that wraps up my news. Anyone else? I've got news.
3: So guys, got a question for you. Where is your one-stop shop for high-powered motors... Upgrade performance parts And of course, some sexy bling For nearly any model of heli
2: Definitely kde-direct.com.
3: That's right, so whether you want to turn your heli Into a performance machine Or you just want it to stand out a little bit Visit kde-direct.com For all your upgrade needs
1: First off I've got, I got two news stories here How about that? Ooh. <laughs> One is a news story from Rotor Live 2014. So this was an event that takes place in Germany. This was last weekend, I want to say. And at this event, like so many others uh, early on in the year, all of the big manufacturers start to show off their new stuff. And so this year. Jan Heinslet from Heinslet Helicopters, the maker of the TDR, released, well, didn't release, but announced and showed the prototype for the new TDS Speed Demon. First time it's ever been shown. This is Jan's new TDR Speed Heli, and it is groundbreaking, dude. Oh, you guys have to look at the photographs. This is unlike anything that I think this hobby has ever seen. It is. I mean, to me, just being a novice in speed and having spoken over the last week with all of my speed friends from around the world. My understanding is this is about the same thing uh, to the speed world as the goblin was to the 3D world in terms of impact. It's a full fuselage. It has a lowered tail boom so that when it's in the speed run, it has an appropriate angle such that the rotor wash does not cause too much drag over things. It has an integrated vertical tail fin. That's all one piece molded out of carbon fiber with what I'm going to guess because I haven't seen the internal picks is a multi-stage tail belt drive. And the tail rotor sits up on top of the fin. It doesn't sit perfectly in line with where you would expect a typical heli boom to be. Very, very interesting. Uh, It's a three-bladed head. And what I've heard in the rumor mill is that that's still a prototype. Jan's got to do more testing and figure out whether or not the three-blade actually makes sense in comparison to the the two-blade. And then it has these... You know, I'm going to call them flippers because, quite frankly, they look like flippers. Yeah, they look like it looks like a fish. It looks like a really sleek, smooth, sexy fish, but a fish nonetheless. And these fins actually have an aerodynamic shape to them. I believe they have an airfoil type shape and they are, they act as the landing skids, basically. Little guys that stick out the side and towards the back. So, you know. From the outside, it looks freaking amazing. And then you start pulling it apart and looking on the inside, and it is even more groundbreaking.
2: You know what it looks like to me? What? It looks like the inside of a Rolex. It, dude, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Gears and shit everywhere. Mm-hmm. Gears and bolts and it gears. It does. And it looks bolts. like a clock.
1: Yeah. So here's the deal. We all know that in our regular helis, are regular heli servo systems, okay, because of the circular motion of the servo arm, the the movement of a ball that is connected to it on the swash is not linear, right? Mm-hmm. And fly barless systems have the ability to compensate for that, and so you usually don't feel it. It just depends on how bad the geometry is. Here, Jan has completely eliminated it. By going to what amounts to a rack and pinion system, where the servos are geared and in certain cases belted to a a 90 degree opposing shaft that's geared to a pinion, like a, a or a rack, I mean, meaning a geared shaft, and then that attaches to the swash plate. So everything's linear. Uh, It's incredibly complex-looking, and quite frankly, I still can't see how it all comes together from the photos, but check them out on our our news link. So
2: This is the equivalent. This is – I mean, I work on (laughs) German automobiles all the time. This is the pinnacle of German engineering. Yep. And I'm not – like, it's fascinating. It's incredible. Uh, It looks absolutely amazing. I'm – Not quite understanding, and I guess what I really don't get, is what is so important about perfectly linear servo travel on a speed heli. It's a good question.
1: I have not thought that through enough to know. (laughs) Okay. But I will be doing some Like, I
2: get the tail thing, right? And and the, the tail's belted. Yeah, it's all about aerodynamics on the outside. The tail's belted, which, by the way... Just the fact that he took the time to make this and it's belted means all those people that were, Torque tube is more efficient. Neener, neener, neener. We told you, it's not. It's certainly not at high speed. And, like, I get everything. I get the getting the tail rotor up higher out of the main rotor wash. Um, I get the vertical fin being integrated and an actual, I mean, functional vertical fin. That's going to... Basically, keep the tail straighter on its own. Yep. Give it'll you more it'll of a wind allow vein, it to weather vane. Yep, which yep. will also allow you to turn your tail rotor speed down. because you're And your need, gain. Yeah, your gain yep. down, which anytime you're spinning your tail slower, that's going to be less drag. More can go into the main. So I get, like, all of that. I get everything, but I don't get why so much weight in engineering into the servo travel, but um i think just i don't know i it's cool it's a it's fascinating to me as a you know as a mechanic and a technician this it's so impressive
1: oh yeah i mean this one i i already had felt it before but this one this is the nail in the coffin i've officially been bit by the speed nerdgasm
2: bug did you get a (laughs) tds speed boner (laughs) (laughs)
1: yes i did and uh, i'm not gonna lie the thought had crossed my mind that i should put my name on the list for this but listen to this you ready the list has been active since 2012 okay so we're already two years into the list i don't know how big it is it's supposed to come out later this year sort of the the last half of the year september sometime around there we don't have a final price yet but the range that has been quoted is twenty seven hundred to thirty two hundred Euros. <laughs> oh! That is a thirty seven hundred to forty four hundred dollar helicopter airframe. That is why I did not put my name on the list.
2: Does it come with a tailblade holder. Or a main blade holder, <laughs> a main blade holder. That's all that counts. It freaking if freaking, it's better, a little foamy a thing
1: that says hind slit on it, I'm good then.
2: Yeah, I better get a keychain and a towel.
0: Mm.
1: Yep. So there you have it. We'll Jeez. see. This thing's gonna. I, I think this is gonna give Banshee a run for their money. But I, they're not stupid. I'm sure they're cooking something up too. Last news, and this one, I, you know, this qualifies as quasi news. I don't know, but this one's for you Nick okay I got a newsletter in my email from one of the hobby shops that I typically purchase stuff at uh, and that is a spree model or have purchased stuff at in the past showing that they have recently got in the new Groppner hot series of radios and in particular the MZ24. And I figured, eh, okay, yeah, no big deal. I saw Simone Zunter, uh, Timo Wentland's girlfriend, do a review on this in German probably about a month ago. Really impressive radio, right? But I I didn't look into it because I figured it's Groppner, It's going to be expensive. And then I saw this this uh, news note. And dude, this thing is only four hundred and ninety nine dollars. It's a 12 channel. Telemetry, full telemetry capable, uh, large color touchscreen, comes with an aluminum case. It looks amazing. So this is for you, buddy, because I know you've been toiling <laughs> over the whole radio thing. Have you seen this? I want this.
0: Yeah. Want this. Want this.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. I want this. I'll be honest. I, I looked at it and said, dude, I could pull the trigger on this right now. Let's I have get not done. seen it.
2: I have not seen it. I kid you not until three minutes ago when you put the link up for the news. Yeah. This is I big. don't even care. I want it.
1: I mean, it's it's so crazy to me. I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like it, it in the small print. It's actually saying three payments of four ninety nine. But you know no, i almost i almost kind of wouldn't care <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it dude it's a it's a nice looking radio i mean it's got it's got the shape that I like out of a radio mm-hmm. it doesn't look too huge and overbearing it looks like it's gonna be comfortable it's got more than enough switches all so sorts what?
2: of let's 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 make a bunch of assumptions because those are fun that's what we do here. What are, what is this transmit on? This transmits on, hold on,
1: hold on, I know the answer. I looked this up. Okay. Um dude it comes with two receivers. Yeah, okay. So they use their own <gasps> proprietary system called Hot, which stands for Hopping Telemetry Transmission, bidirectional 2.4 gigahertz technology. Up to 75 frequency hopping and cha- hopping channels. Full color three and a half inch touch LCD. Smart voice announcement for speaker and earphone for real time <gasps> warnings and alarms. It's
2: FHSS.
1: Real time data analysis with optional sensors, GPS fuel status, telemetry voltage current. Uh, what else? Damn it. Wireless training <laughs> system. 30 model memory <laughs> and get this dude it's got an
2: mp3 player i know seriously ah oh, this is crap i hate this hobby sometimes <laughs> hit, it.
0: hit it dude do it
2: so there you go dude that's just for you all uh that's, I, the,
1: that's the nick news of the week
2: I, I don't kind of want this like i want this
0: you're so impulsive. So so
2: seriously, go and
0: check out...
1: If we can find the link between now and Monday, we can also put the link to Simone's video review uh, if you don't mind reading uh, English subtitles. It's a really well-done review, and she goes through the whole thing, too. Hmm. <laughs> what do good. you think, Dan and Jesse? I'm checked out.
0: I, uh... I'm perfectly satisfied with my 14 SG. Thank you. Okay. No,
3: I'm I'm definitely intrigued. So for one, the price, like Nick mentioned, comes with two receivers. But recently, I've been thinking about the whole um, telemetry thing.
2: I <laughs> see. And it's I just like, told you, it's like, okay, yep. so
3: if if I'm gonna go and get something with telemetry, that right there means I'm spending money. So now, oh that, yeah, you're investing exactly. That's not you're, a quick thing, you're spending a thing fair do. amount of money. So there's already. We've already established the fact that money is you know leaving. I'm spending money, and now you throw this in the mix. Ah, it, it definitely. Un- unlike Dan, I am not emotionally attached to Futaba.
0: Emotionally. I'm just heartily <laughs> I mean, invested, dude. I have, I've I have no complaints. I have
3: no complaints about Futaba. I've had great luck. It's it's been a you know a solid radio, zero complaints. But I you know I'm open to trying trying new stuff. So this is. <laughs> Yeah, and, and much like much like the eye charger, who's going to complain about that uh, that colored screen, right? Yeah,
1: and dude, it comes with its own case.
2: Okay, yeah. That. Here's, here's the kicker, though, and this will be a deal breaker. Oh. Like, if I find out this is true, just take my money. I mean, whatever. Pick a heli out. I don't care. I want it. But it has to be able to communicate on a semi-common flybarless system setup. Wouldn't so I need to be able that. to do that single wire. Oh, so not, you know what I mean? not all the jumpers back and forth, like yes. a traditional receiver. That's correct. I need some sort of S-bust, something like that. Ah, uh, yes. That is a must for me. I don't care how cool it is. I'm not running 12 wires in between back and forth. Not going to happen.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know about that. I'll open up the manual and see what it says, but...
0: Hmm.
3: That kind of gets cluttered up really fast.
0: Jesse, do you have any news?
3: Uh, no news here, Dan.
0: I actually have some news this week. Really? Yeah, I've got a, I've got an RC Fly legislative update. There's been some, uh, some hmm. things happening that uh, would be... Uh, you know, it's just good good for those listeners who are interested in some of this stuff. In particular, we're going to be talking about two states, Hawaii in particular and Louisiana. Uh, RC Fly is tracking a bill. Uh, there's several bills in Hawaii, but in particular, tracking a, a bill, uh, Senate Bill 2608. It's intended to require law enforcement agencies to obtain warrants for use of UAVs in criminal investigations. The problem was the bill included language that would have outlawed the use of all hobby aircraft in the entire state. Uh, on February, Whoa. On February 18th, uh, Steve Bunting, RC Fly's Director of Government Relations, testified at a Senate committee on Judiciary, judiciary and Labor. Uh, in his testimony, Steve offered the committee some changes in the language that would exclude the state's aircraft hobbyists while still allowing the bill to accomplish its original intent. Steve also recommended that the committee members review the definitions and conditions for hobby aircraft found in the FAA administration's Modernization and Reform (laughs) Act of 2012. Uh, The good news is, subsequent to the hearing, the committee did, in fact, make the changes necessary to exclude hobbyists from the bill. And the SB 2608 is on its way to the governor's desk for signature. So RC Fly was very active in the state of Hawaii to keep hobbyists out Of that bill. Uh, A couple things happening in Louisiana. Uh, Senate Bill 330. You guys remember uh, the law that was passed in Texas that uh, strictly prohibited the capture of images of people or private property without permission. Excludes private property that is generally open, which public law enforcement agencies enforce. Uh, The bill includes 16 exceptions, uh, including for military mapping purposes, maintenance of utility services hazardous material mapping, hobby aircraft, are not included in in those exceptions. And they actually appear to be the target of the bill. SB 330 will outlaw the use of UAVs to capture images that could otherwise be captured by other means, such as driving in a motor vehicle, taking pictures from a ladder, stuff like that. Uh, The second bill, SB 356, does not specifically target hobbyists. It does aim to prohibit the capture of targeted infrastructure and refineries, chemical plants, that that type of stuff. As the bill moves through legislature, RC Fly will watch for amendments to the bill and help keep us informed on that. I would just like, you know, if you guys are out there and you're interested in this political stuff, I know a lot of you aren't, but some of you are. If you are interested and you want to you wanna help out, I'm going to encourage you to follow RC Fly on Facebook. And if you actually want to get involved and participate, you can go to rcfly.org and sign up there. And uh, see if you can join the good fight.
1: That's awesome, dude. Uh, I yeah. mean, they they're taking it to a whole new level. You know, we did the interview with with Quinn Kurtz last week, and that guy he knows his stuff. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of really good people involved with RC Fly, um, and you know they're they're just looking at things on a level that is specific to each state, and they're mapping every state in the country, and they're looking at every bill or proposed bill that will affect the hobbyists and they are doing what they are actually making contact to affect the changes and and just inform these politicians of the differences between what we do, whether you want to put a camera on your helicopter or if you happen to be doing the multi-rotor stuff and just letting them understand the difference because a lot of these politicians just don't get it. And it's important that we, we stand up for ourselves because with the recent ruling, we talked about it last week, with the recent FAA, those that's going to kind of put a fire. We mentioned it. It's going to put a fire under, under the FAA's ass to get something done. And um, yep. it's important. I, I, I want to stress one thing, too, and we did kind of stress it with Quinn's interview. Don't be under the misconception that the FAA cannot still come after you. They can, and if you do something stupid, they will. Case in point, this past week, there was a tragedy in New York. You guys are, I'm sure, heard of it, the building that collapsed in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a guy that put a phantom in the air while first responders were on the scene, and full-scale aircraft were in the air. Oh, no. It's these kind of acts that are very detrimental to our hobby. I'm sure most of our listeners understand that. These, these are the things that we need to watch out for and be proactive about because these will affect us as hobbyists whether or not you're into AP or FPV because they are going to blanket these actions and they're going to include us, responsible hobbyists, in with these groups of people that do this kind of stuff so get involved do what you can uh, at the very least you know take a look and just be aware inform yourself and uh that's all i have for news guys sweet Sweet. and that that'll do it huh no more news nothing nothing that's a good big news section this week big news yeah all right, guys, this week's news is brought to you by heli your daily RC helicopter news magazine.
2: You know, guys, one of the best things about being in our position is the ability to give back to our listeners. And lucky for us, Gen Zace Batteries shares the same ideas. Just for you, they're offering a 10% discount code on all their batteries.
0: That's right, guys. So head over to www.hobbyparts.com enter in the code RCHN10 at checkout to get that 10% discount on your next order. Nitro, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, been a week. <laughs> We've been... Dude, I have been getting... I'm sure you guys have as well. I have been getting emails... From guys saying, "Man, does Nitro even exist anymore?" It does. It's alive and well. We're going to kind of talk about we. You know, we we've been talking a lot about electric. but We're going to kind of start at the beginning with Nitro. We're going to go over some of the basics. Just talk a little bit about everything. This could be a fairly long conversation. So, grab a cold one and sit back and let's see what we got going on here. Uh, in no particular order. We just kind of compiled a list of typical nitro issues, questions, uh, things that you need to deal with. You know, these will probably lead to other discussions. So we're just going to start at the top of the list. Uh, the first one we have on our list is rebuilding a nitro motor. Uh, when and how and and you know when how long should it go and, and what do you need to replace and all that good stuff. Before it blows up and carefully. <laughs> Next.
2: Uh, uh, easy. Yeah, the, these are easy.
0: These are easy questions. And, you know, this whole conversation can just be simply summed up by nitro rules, and we can just move on. <laughs> but we don't, we're don't. we not going to do that. We're going to give you some details. When
1: do we rebuild a nitro motor? Nitro rules. <laughs> Next. Right?
0: <laughs> Next.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you what. This topic, this is one that's sort of near and dear to my heart, because this is probably uh, one of the first forms of, I'll call it advanced maintenance that I learned how to do when I got into helis, because my first big heli was a 600 an a line, 600 nitro. And it was, I got an OS 50. Okay. And so the first thing that I did with that OS 50, it, well, I didn't do it. The OS 50 did it to me was the rear bearing went out. Yeah. Okay and being unexperienced one one minute my heli sounds great albeit a little annoying like all 50s do and the next minute it sounds like a coffee can filled with rocks rattling around <laughs> so i flew it for a couple more flights thinking ah i mean it, it still seems to fly what's that noise i was completely stupid about it i was trying to ignore it anyway long story short got it got it apart got the bearing replaced And then started trying to tune it and burned it up. So rebuilding is something that I've done a lot of. And I know Nick has, too. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, You know, I I personally, for, for my part, I have never had to rebuild a motor because I've wore it out. I've only had to rebuild a motor because I blew it up. That's just me. Now I know, Dan, you're burning fuel like freaking no one's business. So you probably actually rebuild them because you've worn them out. I've
0: rebuilt three motors in the last year from where that were just wore out, uh, just due to sheer Just sheer throughput. number of flights. Uh, yep, I've to be honest with you, I've never. I, I always I'm very conservative in my tuning. I I always err towards rich because. I would rather deal with a loss of power than tear up a $4 or $500 motor. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's that the, the problem is is the confidence and and you know, I remember I I I feel good about tuning now, but there was a time just in the not too <laughs> distant past where it was just a horrifying uh I'm like what what the hell, you know, especially you guys all remember it just recently switched over from um, OS50 to a YS91, and all of a sudden now I'm dealing with extra needles. And, and, um, you know, how do I make sure that I'm not, uh, too lean on the mid or too lean on the high and, and all that good stuff? And those are, those are typical things that most new guys that are getting into the Nitro have to deal with. Um, uh, so I've never really had to rebuild a motor due to it being burnt up or seized or otherwise damaged. It's always been because, Either I crashed and had, and you know I sucked in a pound of dirt. That that happens on occasion. Ooh. Um, <laughs> or it's just time. And I'm i I've, I've got a horrible habit of flying a nitro motor, and basically until it just won't start anymore. It's so wore <laughs> out. I mean, you guys saw that uh, last year. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Um, and that kind of happened with my most recent rebuild on the YS ninety one SR. So I'm not to be honest with you I'm not the guy to ask when uh you know a lot of guys and I think Nick don't you you kind of do it on um on number of gallons don't you you kind of base your rebuilds on on that don't you
2: Yeah I usually do I try and go about 20 if if it makes it 20
0: 20 yeah. and 20 is a high uh, that's a high that's a pretty high number of gallons
2: Yeah it kind of depends I mean I've had I, I've actually had really good luck with YS's um, going longer because I I don't have a problem running them a little bit richer as well because they seem to have really good power running rich um, so they have lasted a little bit longer for me uh, with the accept, and I say if it makes it twenty because I've also had two YS motors throw the con rods on them and mm-hmm. just defeat that whole purpose <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but you know, but the OS's, um, yeah, OS's. I would go a little bit shorter because of the bearings. The bearings, yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't, you know, they seem to eat bearings quite a bit. And why I don't know why, but YS's just do not seem to eat bearings at all. But sometimes it just kind of depends. If I have a heli tore down after a crash, you know, I I I kind of don't hesitate to just slap a new ring in it. You know, and, and not do a full rebuild on it, but just re-ring it yeah. and get that little teeny bit of lost power back. So I've been known to do that as well.
0: And that's kind of another thing, too, to consider. You know, you can inspect it, and you don't really have to tear. I mean, if you if you haven't crashed, you don't really have to tear a lot of stuff down to to take a look at, at the ring, uh, look through the exhaust port. Yeah. And if you see that shiny ring, it's time for another ring. You know, I also, too, kind of do that I'm to the point now where, you know, I got 24 gallons on the last motor, which was fantastic. And it was just, when I tore it, when I took it off, there was, it was completely wore out. There was almost zero compression. I mean, you know, that's another way. I mean, if you can easily spin that motor, uh, you know, reach down and spin it, like if you can just twist the starter shaft with your, Thumb and with your fingers. <laughs> you know, that that might be an indicate indicator. <laughs>
1: I was there recently, but not because I wore it out because I thought I was being conservative in my tune and I was, but for a gas engine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> now as Sorry. far as how to rebuild it, you know, there's lots of guides out there. I don't know know that we need to go into too much detail on that. I mean, it's a daunting task obviously for a for a new guy, but you know, you take your time and...
2: I know where there's a pretty cool tech tip
0: how-to. Exactly. There yeah. is. Yeah.
2: There might be one on our website.
0: Yes. So we will we will point you to that if you have questions on that. Now, as far as what, you know, typically when you're doing a rebuild, piston ring, uh, Nick likes to replace the Conrad. Uh, I did this time after number, I think it was three on this motor or two. Can't remember. I've never had any problems with them, but I just decided uh, after some warning from these guys to Based go on Nick's
3: recommendation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I didn't want to take any chances. You know, uh, typically, unless you've done some damage, crankshaft, not necessarily. I mean, generally that, you know, unless there's some severe wear or you got some and, debris in there. Yeah, I, th- I
3: think you kind of nailed it with the, uh, you wanted to prevent some damage. And that's kind of the, uh, the approach I take is... Why not replace this stuff before it breaks? So maybe I don't hit the, you know, 20 gallon mark, but I'll go ahead and replace some of that stuff. I, for me, since I don't fly a ton of nitro, that usually ends up being yearly. Um, So, you know, winter, basically what that means for me is pull the motor out and do the ring piston and the bearings just to prevent from having problems that, you know, the next year.
0: Yeah, that's kind of why I decided to replace the Conrad this time, because uh, what is, I mean, that's $20 part.
3: Yeah,
1: exactly. You know
0: it's what, you know, your cabinet having a Peace of
1: mind. I don't think I've ever replaced a Conrad, actually. You seem to have a lot of problems with them, Nick. What's
3: the, is that just. I don't
2: know. Why? <laughs> well,
3: I, now I can't remember, so if I'm wrong, say, but wasn't, didn't you overspeed one pretty good for quite a few flights?
2: I might have. Okay. Yeah, that's true.
3: No, no, I'm being honest because uh, I remember there was a time where you know. Oh, Does that's that sound right. Really hot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's running pretty hot.
2: Oh, I hadn't.
3: Did I have a sensor fail? Yeah, I, I think you were running it just wide open, and that was right. And it was okay. it was something new with the heli, so we weren't used. To, you weren't used to the sound, or you know I, what? I can't remember
2: all the details, but it I was remember a, what it was. I switched over to using a rev limiter, and I had a sensor fail. Ah. That's what it was. Oh. And And it was quite a few flights that you flew it like that without... I remember that. Uh, Realizing. I don't know. I don't know if it was that bad, but it was... I I, I do remember that. But I've had a couple, and one of them I remember was completely just like, I mean, really? It it wasn't that old. It was Mm -hmm. flown at a lower speed. Yeah, but... It's also not like YS is super uncommon for that either. I've known a lot of people that have had that problem.
0: You know, one thing to consider too with that Conrad is those uh, bushings do get misshapen and they get, you know, you can get a little bit of play in there too. So it's not a bad idea. If you have it apart, go ahead and replace it. You converted me, Nick.
2: Good. (laughs) (laughs) I'll
0: have to try it next time. Uh, you know, we kind of did talk a little bit about the, the, the wear parts. Uh, you know, you can inspect that stuff, but as I mentioned, without really taking the thing completely apart that and the piston is probably, or the piston ring is probably the, I don't know, Jesse, what do you think? Is that like, that's probably the, the best first indicator that there's something going wrong.
3: Oh yeah. I've, oh man, I don't even know how many rings I've replaced, but <laughs> last summer we were going good. through a bunch of rings. You went through a tear. I have some definite you know, motor stories, I've blown up my fair share um, of motors and half of my fair share of parts now. (laughs) But yeah, that, that would be, that, that's the first thing I would do is basically tear the pipe off, get, get a little flashlight and yeah, look back through the exhaust port. And like you mentioned earlier, if you see, you know, basically black spots or something, you know, dark on the piston, that's obviously not a good indication. Or if the ring is nice and shiny that's also probably mean that you're not getting that full compression out of the out of the ring, where it should be a nice black, consistent, dark black color.
2: Yeah.
0: You know what?
1: The other thing that you can see through the exhaust port if you suspect that damage may have been done, is look for any vertical lines in the piston. Yes. In the mm-hmm. outer diameter of the piston. And if you do see something like that, then you probably it it means you've got some problems already. You probably want to pop the thing open and look at the actual sleeve, yeah. the liner.
0: Yeah, and try to get a good look at the top of the piston as well with the flashlight, because you can you can check for pitting, and you can also check for sometimes you can get debris like an edge of the piston will will break off. I've had this happen. Yeah, and it, or the ring, and you will it'll like just popcorn in there. You know, it'll just stay in there. Now, I've actually I mm-hmm. I mentioned I didn't ha- I actually thinking back as we were talking. I did have an OS fifty once a long time ago. the The piston broke in half mid flight.
3: Oh,
1: Whoa.
0: what did that sound like? It <laughs> well, I've got to tell you, it sounded like a motor was running and then a pop and then nothing. I mean, it just seized. It just stopped. Just
1: stopped. That was the end of it.
0: And uh, I actually still have that piston, uh, just as a keepsake on my on my bench. It just it just destroyed. Uh, pretty much everything it it um it severely scarred up the top of the head and i think this is where it actually stopped i think it did make a few revolutions but then eventually it tried to get out the exhaust port and that's where it stopped and it just chewed up the sleeve made big gashes and everything
2: oh dude
0: that's that i
1: don't think i I've never heard of that before. That's got to be probably one of the worst things I've heard of in nitro motors. Yeah,
0: it was uh it was an interesting experience. I forgot I forgotten all about that, but
3: the whole motor pretty much
1: done. Oh yeah, it was done. I had to get yeah. a whole
0: new motor. And the other I, the other motor I destroyed, I crashed and uh, the pipe broke off and it ran for just a few seconds, but it just sucked up a ton of dirt
3: this this could no, this could no. bring up another another very good question that i see here on the list so so when do you when do you make that call versus you know did you buy new parts for that motor did you make that flyable or did you just go you know what i think this one's going to be sitting on the bench from now on why don't i just go ahead and buy a whole new motor
0: i think if it's something like that like if there's you know if um anything outside of the sleeve and the piston and uh you know the ring, Conrad, is damaged. If there's damage to the case, uh, yeah, a the, hole in the side of the case, hole in the side of the hole case, hole in the side of the case. Or the top yeah. of the head is all scarred up because there was some free floating <laughs> debris in there,
1: metal shrapnel. Y- yeah,
0: you know. Yeah, I,
1: <laughs> yeah. When I first started flying on the six hundred nitro, I actually sucked a ball out of one of the the rear rear bearing casing thing, and that just. <laughs> As you could imagine. Just Wait, did you say
0: you sucked a ball? <laughs> <laughs> Just sucked a ball.
2: I couldn't I tried my hardest. I really did. Uh, I was trying
1: to I was trying to put it in, in the least vulgar way possible so that suck you suck one have little ball in thirty-four
2: it. years and no one will ever lay you down. That's right. No one yep, will ever let
1: that's you forget it. it. Yeah, it's it's on my resume from here on out. No, but seriously, one ball bearing, dude? That thing just it liquefies the inside of the engine. Yeah, yeah. and I've seen Nick. Uh, I think I've done this before too on a ninety. I think you did it on a fifty. Nick is blown a hole in the in the piston. Dude, I still have like, that keychain.
2: Do you? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I I remember now. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Wow, this thing's making awesome power. Wow, <laughs> it sounds kind of funny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Damn it. (laughs) That's how I got so good at autos. That was kind of the joke there for a while.
0: You you know, other things to look out for is uh, when you do have your heli apart, crash, maintenance, whatever, you know, you can always take off the back plate, take a look in there, that kind of stuff. Look for rust. Ooh, I got one.
2: My personal number one indication, you start going through glow plugs. Yes, that's Mm -hmm. a good one. That is a oh, yep. good call! Yeah. So absolutely. you you have a flame out. You put a new glow plug in. It only lasts three four flights. Game over. Stop. Done. Don't even put another one in it. Pull it out because it's cooked. Open it up and see what's going yeah, on. There's probably some particles yep. in there. Yep,
3: hitting that element.
0: And, and also too, when you're fresh off of a rebuild, uh, you know, don't don't just keep that same glow plug in. After your, Ten flights. Yeah, don't. That's know. my rule of thumb. Put a glow plug
2: in, run it for ten flights. I actually have a break-in glow plug. Yeah, I was just gonna ask. So, what's your philosophy? Fl- you know, me trying to save some money over here. Oh, so we yeah, know. yes, we know. I,
3: well, no, I have the same thing. I have my, you know, my break-in glow plug. Mm-hmm. Put it in there right after a fresh rebuild. Fly it for ten flights. Pull it out. Put it back in the case and throw yeah. a new one in there.
2: Because they will always eventually go out if you keep it in there. Because yeah, I've tried.
0: I don't keep it. I throw it away.
2: Yeah, but you bought
3: like 100 glow plugs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> you have like
2: a Pez dispenser yeah. glow plugs.
0: <laughs> I do have a lot of glow plugs. I've got a lot of those, that's for sure. Uh, here's one, guys. Throttle return springs. Who who uses them? A not what? I. Neither do I.
2: <laughs> who should I use them? Not.
0: <laughs> pretty much everybody should use them. I, uh, you know, basically, for those of you who aren't aware, a throttle return spring, should you lose power to your servo, uh, it's going to bring it back to close throttle instead of leaving it wide open. <laughs> and,
3: uh, how fun is that? Do,
0: doing who knows, who knows what, who knows what to it. Um, so who's had a ha, who has had a chicken
2: dance here?
0: I have not had I take that I had a mini but I've I've been around other chicken Yeah, we saw that video. Yeah, I've seen. That was yeah, that, was, that a was fantastic chicken dance.
2: That was the best video
1: ever. <laughs> I've not had a chicken dance, but I can tell you that I've had a recent situation where I really wish I had a throttle return spring. And I think I talked about it before uh it just so happened that my throttle servo decided to die mid flight and it died at it basically died at full throttle at like well not full but 80 85 percent and so i basically had to fly it around and then land it and just let it sit there and run out of fuel
0: yeah this surely
1: because like, you had to
2: fly it really hard
1: <laughs> this <laughs> surely it set
2: it on the ground and wait for it to run out and that's the, you know, like a great game dude that's an opportunity to have some fun. You just go up and fly it as hard as you can yeah, for one that. flight and then guess. It's like that game <laughs> called Perfection. Guess. You remember that game Perfection where you pushed the board down and you had all the pieces yeah. and you tried to put all the pieces in before it popped and scared the crap out of you? That's what's yes. fun about it. You never know when it's going to go. So, Jesse, I think I found the one for you. The one what? The one heli that'll pull you away from flying that other brand. Oh, yeah? Seriously, man, I've got hundreds of flights on my Blade 700X, and I am blown away at how maintenance-free it is. Now, I know you're the type of pilot to put some serious flights in during the year, and I really think this will not only meet, but exceed your expectations in quality and performance.
3: Well, I suppose I better head over to bladehelis.com. And take a closer look at that seven hundred X.
0: So, <laughs> dealing with a chicken dance, what do you what do you do? Sit back and enjoy the show.
3: I just said Cheer dance it along.
0: On. That's what I do. <laughs> Cheer it on. Dude, it's dude, all that, going to depend
2: for me. It depends on if the blades stay on. If the blades are like remain intact. And it, it it's really flopping, then just don't even go there. Let it eat itself. It's not <laughs> worth it. Yeah, you can um, really
0: get hurt pretty good with that.
2: I'm not so concerned about a tail myself. Uh, I'm not. I'm not too worried about that because it can only go so fast. So I would go over and step on it and pull a fuel line. Do not. <laughs> do not try and stop the engine. By plugging the exhaust with your thumb,
1: <laughs> I've done this before. <laughs> Unless you realize that it actually has a rubber
3: yes exhaust deflector on it,
0: and even that can get a little hot. You can pinch it off with a pair of pliers or something. But uh, I usually I can
3: just see the red ring of death on your thumb. You
0: know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Permanently, like when you get yeah. when you get uh, fingerprinted for that time you do something against. The if wall. it does have a,
2: <laughs> if it's got an exhaust deflector. I'll hold it down with one foot, pinch the exhaust deflector with one hand and to give me enough time to reach over and pull a fuel line off, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> definitely you just gotta be careful and use your use your head, you know keep people let let everyone if it happens to be next to the pits, just let everybody know and tell everybody to back off and just let it do its thing. It'll die,
1: ooh, and don't crash in loose or dry dirt or sand, oh yeah. You better hope for tall grass. Yep, because that thing will suck everything it can get yes, its hands it on into the car, <laughs> and that'll be the end of it. And
0: that brings up another, it's not necessarily a, a chicken dance issue, but it's something that I, Nick, you remember when I was in um, Wyoming, and I sent you those pictures of that.
2: Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> of, the, of the shroud, the, the fan shroud. Mm-hmm. There was probably, I would say, close to three quarters of a cup of dirt and grime in that <laughs> shroud. Oh, <laughs> so you know you've got to kind of keep in mind where you're. Fl- Nitro is a different beast. than I mean we all know it. We call them the the gassers. Call them slimers, and you know they're they they get really messy. They do. They get messy. So if you happen to be flying, you know, try first of all, try to fly in an area that isn't really dirty or dusty. I mean, sometimes you can't get away from that, but uh, if you are flying in that type of environment, you know, your maintenance is all that more important. You have to pay really close attention, or else you're just not going to get the life out of your motor. It's it's going to be eating just as much dirt as fuel, almost. So, you know, I don't know. Some guys use helipads, you know, and you can't. I don't really have a solution to that because I don't have to deal with that where I fly. And Justin, I know where you fly; it's all grass. It's generally pretty moist. Yeah, uh, Nick, where you fly, it's the same thing. Jesse, I think you fly around kind of a dusty area. Yeah, it's, it's
3: kind of it's pretty seasonal. Most of the time, it's it's not too bad. It's it's definitely not bad enough to where I have to take any precautions with the motor. Um, so, no, not really any concerns for me there.
0: I bring that up because it's just something as a nitro guy. If you happen to be in that environment, just to, you have to keep that into consideration. That will definitely affect the longevity of your of your motor. If you're not, if you're pulling that thing apart and you're taking three quarters of a cup of grime out of the, <laughs> there's an issue. That motor has just consumed a lot of a lot of the grime. So keep that in mind. Horrible, horrible on the bearings. Horrible on the piston and on everything. Every, yeah, it the whole thing. It's like just putting some sandpaper in there and letting it do its thing.
2: Yeah. So, I got one more since we're talking about Carnage. Uh, Hot Start.
0: Oh, Hot oh, Start. Oh.
2: oh. I'll pick Everyone me. has them. Yep. Yes. They will scare the crap out of you. Yep. Yeah. Every yes. time. And <laughs>
0: the plankers around you, right, Justin? Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, that was my that was my first Hot Start experience. Nice standing in front of a group of plankers who had all cleared off the field because the heli guy was going to go fly. <laughs> and boy did I justify them. them.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, uh a uh, well, what do you do if you have one? I mean, the second you fire it up and you realize you have a hot start.
0: Well, what do you do? I think to kind of step back just a bit and it's just like with the electric, you know, you you develop your pre your pre flight routine and and part of that is the starting procedure. Um, you know, i I do what I do is I, I'm I'm better about it now, but flying by myself, I never started in throttle hold because I always wanted to be able to adjust a little bit of throttle if I needed to help start. I have kind of past that now so develop that routine that's that's safe to kind of just to avoid it you know nice solid grip on the head Um, that grip on the head is very important so let's say you do oh yeah you you I mean it's a death grip I mean you shouldn't it shouldn't just be a let me just put my finger on that on the button you know you need to grab that thing like like <laughs> I was gonna go there don't go there, dude.
1: <laughs> I was about to go there for you and then I I decided to abort. So,
0: hold it firm and let's say it here, you know, hot start, I typically will just reach down and pinch the line or pull the line. Uh the fuel line. Yeah. Um, you know, other guys, you know, don't go reaching for your radio trying to fix the situation because you're going to end up with a leg full of blade or something worse.
2: I agree. I I personally say don't take your eyes off the heli.
0: Yeah. Just
2: yeah, but but
1: there's there's a limit here, guys. I mean, if the radio's accessible, definitely get at throttle hold, but the deal is with all of this, you got to know when to let go of the head. Because if that thing gets going and you can't control it, if it catches you off guard and you
0: don't have a good grip,
2: you're gonna get torn up.
0: Yeah, see, I
2: say don't even let yourself get in that spot. Exactly. I mean,
0: you hold that thing firm. I when I'm when I'm starting that helicopter, I literally I, my hands would go numb if I just sat there and held it with that tension for <laughs> any amount of time. That's yeah. how. Firm. Make sure.
2: Yep. Another thing is make sure you have you yourself are on the correct side of the boom.
0: Yes, always That's start. a big one.
2: So I'd make sure that my boom is up against like if I'm starting it on the ground, I have my leg up against the boom, um or if it's up on a bench, I have the boom kind of up against my side or something like that with a firm grip on the head. So and and I've done it with a 90 class. If you're mm-hmm. serious about it and you grab it when you start it, you can completely smoke, burn up, explode a clutch. Yes, you can. And yep. not have that thing. You can hold it with one hand. Yep. Because you're never yep. going to get a tremendous amount of RPM out of it. Um, But, again, if it starts to go, oh, just run like hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I mean...
1: You you got to know what you're gonna how you're gonna react and what you're gonna be capable of doing. My th- and I agree you can hold it with the death grip.
0: My thought is, I wouldn't even worry about uh, getting to the radio. I mean, literally, you have to get that thing shut off. The quickest way to do that is is to just reach down and start ripping at fuel lines if you have to, uh, pinch, rip, whatever you got to do. It's easier to replace fuel line. And then you got the walk of shame. You got the smell. You got the you got the clutch liner dust all over everything. Yeah. It's a mess. I hate
1: clutch liner dust, and, yeah. it's, and it gets on everything.
0: Yeah, yeah it gets into every little crevice. It's horrible. But it does happen. If you do nitro, you will have a hot start at some point. There's yes, it just you does will. happen. Uh, be prepared for it because it can definitely mm-hmm. catch off guard.
3: And it will catch you off guard. I guarantee you, you're not going to be ready for it because <laughs> if you were, if you are ready, it wouldn't happen.
0: Before we start talking about some of the, you know, the different glow plugs, uh, head shimming, that kind of stuff. Let's just go a little bit into break in. Cause I do know that specifically that question was asked, uh, of me in an email just recently. There's recommended, uh, needle settings in every manufacturer's, uh, user guide that comes with your motor. Those generally, you guys have found, those are generally pretty accurate, right?
3: I Um, would say for YS, those are a great place to start. But in my experience for the OS motors, that is usually too rich to even hardly get it off the ground. Yes, Mm -hmm. I've found that too. Yep.
0: To be honest with you, even on the YS, I still go a bit richer uh, initially um, Mm -hmm. with the first tank than suggested. Yeah, yeah
1: because it, the YS break in needles needle settings, I mean it's got power at that level of richness.
3: Yeah. because yeah, I was gonna say for the for the uh, climate or the air density that we have around here, that's nearly where my final tune ends up. Maybe just a couple clicks in from the needle, from like mm-hmm. the factory needle settings. So it definitely is not going to hurt to go a couple couple clicks out or richer on those needles.
0: Now you guys, Nick and Jess, or, uh, Jesse, you mentioned or you, uh, you questioned my uh, using a a heat sensor for tuning. I kind of want to explore yeah. that a little bit. Um, I wa- first. I want to clarify. I don't use it for a final feel tune, but what I have found it very useful for is the uncertainty of that initial. Let's just make sure I'm not getting it too hot, uh, real-time temperature. Uh, you know, because essentially, eventually, what hopefully what happens is you kind of get to the point. And I remember one time, Nick, I called you. And this was before I did start doing that, where I was just struggling all day with the field, with a tune. And uh, I just, finally, I, I just said, you know what? One of two things is going to happen here today, talking to this motor. Either you're going to get tuned, or you're going to blow up because I was just getting tired of fighting it and the one thing as you get the tune nailed in you know I, I use that temperature sensor just as a secondary to make sure I'm not doing the wrong thing because when you're not when you're unsure of a tune the sound the feel you can you can get to a point where you're not noticing any difference but you're going too lean on one of the needles and you can start to get too hot eventually hopefully you know you'll get to the point where you can start to feel the difference and and hear the difference you know with the smoke and 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 how it performs that's where that's where i use the the heat sensor on the head you know i think that's i
1: hadn't heard you explain it that way before but that's a really valid point dan so what you're you're basically saying you're still tuning it yeah and i'll i'll add to that fine tuning it by sound yes and by feet but i'm using that you're using the temperature as sort of like a I'm way an too upper rich limit yeah. threshold i'm way too rich like if i'm yeah. if i'm freezing i got a tune yeah. leaner yeah. if i'm getting too hot then i know it's just sort of a coarse gauge
0: yeah it just kind of gives me an idea because i mean you know when you're struggling with a tune eventually you kind of it's it's like um you get to that point where it's you just feel like you don't know. You're like, I made a change, but I just don't know, and it starts to kind of all run together, and you're just not sure. Well, you can just use that gauge as, a, well. This is obviously telling me that I'm way too rich, or I'm starting to get too lean, and you can start going the opposite direction and for the final tune. And that's I like it. That's where mm-hmm. I use it. I've never used
1: temperature before. With my night. What do you guys think of the always... What do you guys think
0: of the backplate method? You guys. We all use that, right?
2: I do. Yep. Oh yeah, I do. I use a combination of everything. The because 'cause uh, I've been bit doing just one thing. Like the backplate yep. method during the winter when it's cold
0: outside. Yeah. No, it's worthless. I'm not worthless. I'm not gonna cut it. Worthless. Nope.
2: But you know. Same thing, middle of the summer. Uh yeah, I do keep an eye on that. You betcha I do. That's kind of my final just to double check and confirm everything that my ears. My eyes and ears see.
0: Yeah, it's just that it's that extra data point to help you figure out where you're at.
3: And I think with the uh, with the temperature sensor, I don't have, you know, necessarily a problem with using it to you know, oh crap, my motor is too hot. Now I'm gonna rich in it, as using it as like a high end point. But I would have a really tough time going out there and saying, Oh, my motor's too cool. I'm going to lean it out based on that temperature. Going, you know, up to lean point, I would have a tough time using temperature. Um, but I, I think it's great as far as recognizing, yes, my motor is operating too hot and then leaning it.
0: And that's typically where you would use yeah. it, but you can also basically the reason I started using it was because it was available to me. And secondly, it's just, it, it just seemed to help me cut down on time. It, I don't know if you guys experience it, but like I said, I experienced that. I just don't like. I don't get it. I don't. I'm not. I just. I feel like I crank that needle twelve clicks, and I just don't feel a difference or hear a difference. Or, um, well,
3: that that can kind of lead. So is that twelve clicks in between one? Like you land, well, and walk out that, there, and go in twelve clicks because <laughs> that was. I would think was just you'd an, probably feel a difference. That was just but, an
0: extreme, extreme example. What yeah, and I. That, you know, you start so, you start doing one or two clicks, and sometimes it gets tough. You know, it's just tough. Uh,
3: and yeah, I would say that you know, just as far as tuning in general goes, I would completely agree with that. It can get extremely difficult to feel one or two clicks, you know, on the high or mid needle. Yes, um, until you really get develop a good feel for the power that the motor's supposed to be producing. So, I mean, personally, when I go out there with the you know trying to get it in the ballpark, I'm going three or four clicks yeah, on each generally. needle. Because then you're, you know, you're making substantial adjustments to where you, you should notice the difference in power. If as long as you know you land the heli, walk out there, make the adjustment, take it right off again. That's a pretty quick turnaround. You should be able to notice.
0: And that's a good point. Uh, when you do make changes, the the one and two clicks is a tough way to do it,
3: uh,
1: especially when you're getting started.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh...
1: Well, and I I think that brings up a you know. With the with the temperature sensor, with the backplate method, the other one I'm going to throw into the mix is smoke smoke tuning. All of those are sort of coarse gauges. I, I don't think you can use any of them to fine tune it. Though that last ten or fifteen percent, it's got to be all on sound and feel. Yeah. But yep. if something is really amiss, like far off then any or all of those three are really good indications that you need to go in a different direction. And, and the way I, I mean, honestly, the way I tune mine when I'm not tuning it as a gasser is I go out and I tune it until I feel like I've got enough power for me. Now, You know, I may give that that heli to someone else like Nick and Nick's like, oh, dude, this isn't enough power for me to do my fucking ninja talks. (laughs) Hmm, But um, (laughs) but if it feels powerful enough for me and for what I'm doing, and usually that's a, a pretty substantially on the rich side, not not blubbery rich, but, you know, the YS makes great power even when it's rich then I'm good with it. I, I'm not trying to squeeze the last five or 10% out of the engine.
0: And when it comes to that as well, uh, another uh, thing to consider is what, you know, it's tough to have a very good pilot tune your, tune your motor and then expect it to perform for your flying style. Uh, Cause where, you know, it might, you know, it might be too lean or too rich in the mid or how you fly compared to how somebody that just is just constantly in the mid, you know, it just takes time, and um, you know, when in doubt, riching it out. <laughs> start <laughs> That's
2: over. True. If you're ever or not sure, just start over. It sucks. I mean, it really sucks because you're just wasting nitro. It seems like, but you're learning. You are. And learning. I mean, I've, I've, I've done it. Oh, jeez, I can't even think how many yeah. times I just said, "Screw it!" I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Start all over. Well, even if you know, not necessarily if I'm not sure in the tune. If it's
3: been a couple weeks, who knows you know, what the weather was like the last time I was flying, I'll just go out five, six clicks just to make sure that it's not going to mm-hmm. be too rich. And then slowly, you know, I'll have, I'll keep that in mind. I went out five, so it's probably going to be somewhere close to that, but who knows, you know, I haven't flown in, in a couple of weeks, so I'll just start fresh and make sure that I'm rich on those first couple of flights. Yeah. Especially in the summer,
1: Jesse, because here in the summer in the Pacific Northwest, we, we can have some pretty extreme variations in temperature from like morning to midday to evening i mean that that could span 20 30 40 degrees depending on what the weather is doing and for that big of a span you've got to keep in mind you can't just set it and forget it especially if you're on the hairy edge of
3: the tune
0: you got to keep on top of it so let's kind of transition right into the weather how does the weather jesse affect your tune what do you
3: So, Dan, this is where the temperature thing can, you know, possibly get you in just a little bit of trouble. Because, you know, tuning the motor based on temperature, when you get these big swings, it can kind of be a little bit counterintuitive. What you need to do is when the temperature actually drops, this means that the air is going to get more dense. So you actually need to give the motor more fuel. And what this means is you're actually going to richen up the carb. And then opposite to this, when it gets warmer out, the air is less dense. So you're actually going to find yourself leaning out the carburetor to give it less fuel. And basically what you're trying to do here is maintain that oxygen to
2: fuel ratio. Yeah, the part where it gets really tricky is that uh, because of the way a two-stroke engine works and it, you know, it's, it is air-cooled, and it's, it's not water-cooled to keep it at constant temperature, those mixtures directly, uh, I mean, you, you're playing with ambient temperature, and the mixture directly affects temperature. So in the winter, when you're looking at, you know, now you're, your air is very dense, so you need to add more fuel. Well, generally speaking, adding more fuel will cool the engine down with a two-stroke motor, and that gets really tough because, like, your whole temperature readings, you mm-hmm. know, that's where those go to crap. So you really kind of have to, you know, when you get in the extreme temperatures or even all the time, that's why I always say use all of the different, different aspects yep. of tuning, sight, sound, and feel.
3: Another thing is, so temperature can hurt your motor, you know, running it too hot, but we're using this, you know, the fuel is lubrication as well. So, you know, leaning it out too much, you're actually reducing the amount of lubrication. And that's where yep. you're going yeah, to wear that
2: ring right out. Cooking the oil. But then the other way around, like in break-in, if uh, going back to motor break-in, if you have it too rich, you won't build any temperature in the motor. And you have to build some temperature in the engine yep. to to get it to break in and seat the ring in. Yep. That's a, that That's a given. You have yep. to. So if you're sitting out there hovering for five minutes Spray and you walk up out. to it and that bottom plate is just ice cold uh you will not end anything. up what we call glazing you can potentially glaze the ring over which it will never seed improperly and you will have to re-ring it so get Doneness. a little bit of temperature in uh,
0: give us an idea nick you mentioned I, well we we were talking about the back plate could just kind of a check What what is your rule for that i is it I mean, I hold mine if I can count to three or four or something to that effect, and not move my finger away from the back plate. uh, Yeah, you know,
2: I'm about yeah. I would say four or five. I mean, it's not a it's not an Ironman contest. You know, you're not trying to prove how tough you are. (laughs) Um, I got this. Yeah, because in this case, it's better to be a sissy. I mean, really. But it, you know, you're going for warm. But not touch it and two seconds later, like, holy crap, that is really hot. No, that's way too hot. You should be able to, you know, four or five seconds before it gets fairly uncomfortable. Yeah. Yep.
0: And uh, again, that's just a check. You know, it's just one of the data points that you're using. Uh, yep. Definitely. But you
2: got to do that for each needle too. So that's the other thing for your high and your mid on a three needle carb, which gets tricky.
0: So how do we choose pipes for our motors? What are we looking for in a good pipe? I mean, we we all know what the go tos are. I mean, uh you know, you, you buy a YS and uh Hattori seem to be uh suited for YS perfectly. Do we just kinda go by that standard or what is it about that pipe that's making it uh making it work properly?
2: I man, this one's really tough because we just don't yeah. we don't have engine dynos. We don't have you know, these motors are really actually a helicopter motor is very tough because there's just so many variables, you know what I mean, as far as is where everyone's flying at and this sort of a thing and, and fuel brand and percentage and this and that. So truthfully, my technical answer is, Hop on the internet and do research. And find and out what people are success with. Yeah, and, and yeah. I hate to, that's never my answer. But in this case, it actually is. Because one brand can work fantastic, you know, like up, FunTech is a perfect example. Now, I haven't had horrible luck with them on like the YS-91s, or I even think like the OS-91s. They're not bad. I would say they're a medium of the road pipe. Mm-hmm. But yet you drop back to an OS-55. That is the only pipe. I mean, it is like the undisputed winner for an OS-55 is the FunTech B320. But yet you go up to an OS-91, and now it's not the undisputed winner anymore. You go over to a YS-91 or even a YS-56 or a 60 in the same size, mm -mm, not the pipe. So that's where you can't go by brand and you can't go by price you just
0: kind of have to read yeah and see what the others are doing cuz i've had uh i've tried three pipes now on the ys91 um rjx pipe which just was a undeniable hunk of shit <laughs> <laughs> it was yep it was uh and here's and here's here's how i know that a pipe is not. Oh, yeah, on.
2: yeah. How do you know you got a crappy one?
0: I know because if you feel like you have to chase that tune all day long, there's a problem.
2: Yep. And a good pipe provides a real wide band and a, what we call a forgiving <laughs> tune. So you can be a couple clicks too rich, a couple clicks too lean, and it still produces, you know, good clean power
0: typically i've had really good luck uh, the other two brands uh Hatori and uh you mentioned the funtech i had i had pretty good luck with the funtech on that's what i ran on this recent uh, ninety one that i just finished rebuilding for all those gallons and it it did a fantastic job um mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to trying the new Hatori on the uh, s r x and i'm gonna see what that's all about? Apparently, that, uh it's that one twenty. It's uh, mm-hmm. it seems to be the one that that uh, is bringing that motor to life. So, you know, more
2: more than it is normally, <laughs>
0: more than it already is. So
2: yeah, which is weird too because I don't like Jesse. You have do you have the SB? Oh, help me out here.
3: I'm, what pipe do you have? I'm actually not sure. Isn't I think it's the nineteen. But I yeah, as far as the it's letters is mine. Okay, so, so it's the 19-3, right? FB19-2
1: yeah. or 3 depending It is, 3, it depending is the on most current got, one. Yes.
2: Which is the 3? Which yes. is funny yep. because I personally do not like that pipe. I like the dash -2. Mine is a 2. Okay, so like the original one. The original, I think the 19-1 was fitted for the SR, I think. And then it was decided that they needed a larger opening uh, in the little header piece. And that's when, um, like, Kasama made an aftermarket header for it. And that's actually what I had was uh, the aftermarket. And I ported it. And, like, you could get a lot more out of porting that that little header piece. Mm Mm-hmm. But then I think Hattori fixed the problem with the 19-2, to the best of my knowledge. And then it was pretty much like that right out of the box. Mm-hmm. And the 19-3 was the newest one. But the 19-3 has a funny sound to it. And I like, I actually, when because Jesse, you know, he got my old T-Rex. I was like, dude, mine never sounded like that. Like, you've got everything yeah. <laughs> in it that I did. Mine did not sound like that. I don't know what it is, but it ain't right. But and then I'm like, well, watch it. Look at how hard this thing pulls. Yeah, no, like, it, it was is pulling doomed. like a <laughs> friggin' freight train. So we just kind of wrote it off. And then it wasn't until I actually think it wasn't until Snohomish when I heard some of the other like you know pro pilot guys fly. I was like, dude, there's that sound again. So we found out yeah. that it was unique to the Dash Three. And the dash two did not have that sound. Now, power wise, they seem to be power definitely not lacking, but just weird little things like that.
0: There's a lot of resources out there to, you know, I don't necessarily think it's going to require you to do a lot of experimenting. I mean, feel free to. I mean, obviously, it's the hobby, and that's that's what you want to do. But there's a lot of guys out there with a lot of experience that can really kind of set you down the the proper road for a pipe. Um, I do remember back in the early days of flying nitro, I I didn't care as long as it bolted up to the motor,
1: you know, it was just, (laughs) that was the same
3: with me.
0: Uh, I did, it didn't matter. I remember I tried a, an outrage pipe. You guys remember that contraption? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: How'd that work out? 50% (laughs) crash (laughs) replacement. Jesse, how did that work? Yeah. Uh, That, that cost me quite a few rings on an OS 55. Yeah. Well, Especially since that was literally first motor, first nitro, or, you know, first ever attempt at tuning a nitro, and that thing, like Nick was mentioning, had such a narrow band, I, I swear I just chased it the entire time. And in the process of chasing it, burnt out numerous rings.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, I didn't have any luck with... I. The one that that always plagued me was the... The Curtis, the MP series, yep. the 5 and mm. the 6. Couldn't stand them. They're ugly. Oh, I <laughs> could, they are ugly. I agree with you. And, and I was going to wait until we got through the technical stuff on pipes and say that it also comes down to aesthetics. And in that particular case, yeah, they are ugly, but they were reasonably priced. But I I could never get it to work out. I mean, I it was such a pain in the butt to tune. The Funtex seemed to be good. Hattori's. I've even run, when I first got the 55, and it's been a long time, the OS power boost. And that, that seemed to be okay. But pipes really are an experience thing.
3: Precision. Speed. Torque. And power. We'd expect nothing less out of a servo put on the market. By a guy that pushes his equipment to the absolute limits flight after flight. If they're good enough for Bert. Then they're good enough for me. BK Servos. Keeping my heli feeling connected. www.bkservo.com
0: So without getting too technical about pipes, maybe we can, maybe we can't, let's find out. A pipe... For a helicopter, is it just an expansion chamber or is it a muffler?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. These pipes are, I believe these pipes are baffled. Yep. yep. <laughs> and so they they do have some sound suppression capabilities to them. But I think the primary use of, of the pipe in a heli engine, in any of the engines that we use right now, are for an exp as an expansion chamber yeah i would agree but mm-hmm. not to the extent that you would get in say a two-stroke tuned pipe sort of a situation that's a, that's a that's another
2: step beyond it's the happy medium because it we is. just no one's gonna bolt on you know i mean yeah everyone knows like uh doug darby's bad gas you know what what brand was that pipe justin the, the quick draw uh, yeah, quick draw. I mean, that from thing was Shank, freaking rad power wise. But oh, it, dude, it's an
1: it's a bolt on two horsepower, two and a half horsepower.
2: <laughs> but it really did look like you just ripped it right off a you know Honda <laughs> CR125 and bolted it on the side of your yep. helicopter. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And they're loud and
1: obnoxious. So you're right, Nick. The the muffler or the pipe that we know and love is a good balance between the two.
0: Justin, you still use glow stick, don't you?
1: I do because you're a slacker. I've had I, no, I've had bad luck with onboard glow. What? I don't know why I have. I have. Huh. I've had issues where despite the fact that I get the beep saying I have continuity, the thing just doesn't light. And then I go and stick my trusty old glow stick on there. Works perfectly fine. Fires up. First spin. Hmm. And I thought at first it was a battery thing, traded out some, you know, different receiver packs, checked to make sure that I actually had the voltage I was expecting. Nothing. And so, you know, I'd replace it and it worked perfectly fine. But I, I don't know. I'm neutral on it. I'm not against onboard glow, but I
0: use it for the convenience. Uh, Nick and and, uh, Jesse.
3: Onboard glow all the way. Onboard glow. Yeah. It's just so, you know,
0: I don't remember to charge anything. I
3: don't. Yeah.
1: I'll tell you why it's not a convenience thing for me because my nitro, I almost always fly without the canopy. So it's not like I'm saving time by having to, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm not using the glow stick, starting it and then pulling the glow stick off and. Putting a canopy on and yeah, but blah blah blah. Have you ever forgotten to charge
3: it,
0: or took off while it was still attached? Yes, uh, I yes. knew you were going to say that. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, I, yes, I wasn't going Absolutely.
3: there because I, I, know someone who's
1: done that. But oh yeah, <laughs> I, I actually I did it recently on the rave. <laughs> I was flying around and 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 I saw it in a piro flip, and I'm like, oh okay,
0: stop. Bring it down. (laughs) In the interest of time, we're just going to quickly go through the last couple things that we have here and just kind of give us your thoughts on these guys. Fuel magnet or clunk?
2: Fuel magnet. Jesse? Fuel
3: magnet. Fuel magnet.
0: I'm the outsider here with a clunk. Nick, are you still doing the, the bladder thing? Well... When you have a nitro, he's
3: not doing
2: nothing. I don't have one, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Just rub that right in.
0: (laughs) Ooh, burn! How about you, Jesse or 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 Justin? Are you guys using the uh, the little bladder technique?
3: I have not tried, nor am I using the bladder technique. I'm kind of sticking with the if it's running fine, don't touch it because that's my that's my. I always want that heli to just run, fly good, start right away, and I. Don't really want to mess with it that is just my purely enjoyable fun heli uh
1: Nick I know you I flew the bladder on my whiplash nitro, but I moved away from it when I got to the rave and just went back to the fuel magnet.
0: I know Nick you were doing it last summer uh can you kind of give us just a quick idea of what it what it involves and did you find it to be helpful? It's the last five to ten percent is it
2: yeah I mean that that that's what it is no question it's a lot higher maintenance. Finding good oh, yeah. Finding good balloons, what balloons, how long are they gonna last, you know. J- if they break in flight, you will have a flame out, which isn't a big deal because it doesn't run the motor lean, it just you know, just shuts off. Um, well, it's, it's not a big deal when you do that every flight.
3: Yeah, but it, exactly. it could be a big That's deal. That's my timer, so
2: yeah. I don't care. Um <laughs> but there's there is no it is a very consistent tune like really consistent and you can do you have 110 you have a 100 percent of your performance at, at the beginning of the flight literally right till the second it runs out of fuel there's no change in tune you don't have to worry about you know in certain maneuver maneuvers am i going to start running a little bit lean like the last quarter tank uh you don't have yeah. to worry about running it down to just you know Ooh, i better watch doing this or You know, doing a real long drawn out hurricane at an eighth of a tank or quarter. tank You don't have to worry about any of that. So it's that last little bit, but with a very high maintenance cost.
1: It's also the the thing that was most striking to me when I was running it is we, you know, we joke around about, oh, my timer went off, i.e. I ran out of fuel. I've got to auto it down. But like Nick said, the tune doesn't change right up to the last drop. So unlike a, a clunk or a fuel magnet engine, where you'll start to hear it spin up and sound like it's going lean, this will literally be on, and it'll be like someone flipped the light switch, <laughs> and it's just done. Yep.
3: Yeah.
2: Like if they had nitro compatible balloons, I would I would run that for sure. Like no question would I run it, but there aren't any that are easy to find. Yeah, and. Um, so, you know, you're looking every two weeks about swapping yep. out a balloon,
0: hmm.
2: which isn't a big deal because they're cheap and depending on how you make it, it can be fast, can be easy, but it's, yeah, it is a hassle.
0: Regulated versus back pressure guys.
2: Regulated. Absolutely. Regulated. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just more consistent, more consistent. Except on a fit on a 50. Yeah.
2: I actually say on a fifty, the OS fifty-five, non-regulated, uh, doesn't. Uh, I actually like that. I think it's simpler, and uh, I never once had an issue on any heli with inconsistencies in in tank pressure or anything on that motor.
0: All righty, guys. So there we go. A little bit of nitro talk. It's been a while. We, we do we do still fly nitros around here, so.
2: I hope to again one day. <laughs>
0: Jesse and, and Justin and
2: I do. Yeah, we can
1: represent. I
0: just thought I'd mention that. Oh, yeah.
1: I'll tell you, the, the warning for those of you out there who love your electrics and don't have a nitro yet, is that when you get it and you've got it tuned and it's running consistently, you'll find it hard to go back to your electrics. Yeah. I mean, I'm like Jesse where my nitro is my go-to heli. That's just, that's my feel-good comfort zone it it just flies i don't feel bad about beating it up it is what it is and it's to the point where when i'm doing testing or tuning on the electrics and i know i've got to get something done i don't even bring the nitro with me because otherwise i'll just spend the whole day
2: flying the nitro you know what i just realized dan what's that how many nitro flights do you have this year
0: zero dude so
2: one could say that you don't love Nitro any more than I do. Oh,
0: dude, I miss it. I, Ooh. Uh, you know what? I do love Nitro, and every time I fly that silly little electric helicopter, I realize silly.
3: it. Silly. <laughs> A silly little toy.
0: <laughs> I am I am, jonesing, as they say, to get the Nitro back up in the air. Uh, Nitro has soul, boys. That's all there is to it. That, that sums it up.
3: So could have just started with that.
0: There's hope that Nitro is kind of on its way back to some extent. A lot of potential. We got the N7. We've got uh, rumors of a an Elise. At least we've seen some CAD drawings. Um, here's here's hoping uh, Nitro kind of makes its uh way back into. I, I don't think we'll ever see Nitro back in the competitions, though. I just don't think that it. Uh, I just don't, I don't, you guys see that? I don't see that. Maybe a nitro-only no, competition. Nah,
1: probably not. <laughs> probably not.
0: You know, I remember having a conversation with Colin Bell several years ago when we first started the show. and And he was going on about how he just can't imagine not winning a competition with, or winning a competition with an electric helicopter. Just because of the presence of the nitro. The yep. smoke, the sound. Obviously, that's changed, right? That's changed in a big way. All righty, guys. Uh, there, there's uh, finally some nitro talk. Feels good. Feels good to talk about the nitro. Yes. But should oh, you have any uh, questions, maybe you wanted to ask Nick some more bladder questions or something to that effect. Find out why he's not flying nitro this year yet. You can send him an email. Where would he send that? Where would they send that to, Nick?
2: Uh, You would send me an email at nick at rchellynation.com. Justin, if I wanted to send you an email,
1: you could send me an email at justin at rchellynation.com.
3: And Jesse? You could send me an email at jesse at rchellynation.com.
0: I am Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchellynation.com or Dan K. Reed on the forums. A few quick reminders mark your calendars. Second annual RC Nation Fun Fly coming up end of June uh hats we've got white hats now for those of you who are interested you can get your citizen number put on there uh both white and black i just got a white hat man are they nice looking i'm afraid to wear it hmm Hmm. (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like that's the hat i can wear to church yep if if i ever (laughs) yep (laughs) if i ever decided to go to church like i can do that uh shirts i have a few left mainly 2xl 3xl um, and uh, one medium. So if you're still looking for the long-sleeve shirts, we do have some of those in stock. Uh, one way? more
2: reminder. Next week, uh, next week, next week, we will get into the Rev Electric's Dual Power Lab review. A lot of people asking, when are we going to hear it? When are we going to hear it? So I am finally at the point where I am content, happy, explored, As much as uh, I feel I need to. And you guys will hear about that next week. Nice. Sweet. We should be getting, for those who are asking, we should be getting the cards any day. Like I I expect them to be here any day now. And as soon as we get them, we'll go through the wonderful task of getting them all shipped out. So just to let everyone know.
0: And if you haven't, you can do that if you go to our webpage, go to the store link on the top. Take you right to the stores where you can look at the hats and the in the citizen registration, that kind of stuff. Uh, just have a good time with it, and we're gonna—we're really looking forward to this year. Othello's coming up in May, man. We've got some fun flies happening soon. We're, it, it's, it, the season's upon us, almost, man. It's, it's about that time. So we're really looking forward to hanging out with a bunch of listeners at these events and doing some live shows. If you happen to be in the Northwest, definitely come to Othello. Check that out. You know, we put up a couple mics out there so we can get listeners in on the show. It's a heck of a good time. So, definitely uh, consider those fun flies that, that here in the Northwest that we're going to be at. And I think that's about it, guys. This has been episode 128. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. We'll see you next week. Nitro. Talk to you guys later. Yes. Yeah. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by KDE Direct, Soko Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Genzai Batteries, Blade Helicopters, BK Servos, and Rotary Wing RC. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.